the blast from our past network. Hi, all. Well, this is the composer, Richard Band. You might have heard music from a few of my films, like Reanimator and uh, From Beyond and Terrorvision. But right now, you're listening to Podcasting After Dark, a killer, killer show. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Summer of 84, starring Graham Vercher, Caleb Emery, and Rich Sommer. Welcome to another retro-tastic episode of Podcasting <laughs> After Dark. I am Zach Schaefer, and joining me, as always, is my dashingly handsome co-host, Corey Stevenson. Corey, what's happening, dude? Ah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> no one is as handsome as Zach the Snack, which oh. is what, <laughs> what my, my co-host... Uh, Adam from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, referred to you as, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that one, buddy. I'm gonna oh. take it and run with it. I will take, I will gladly take it back. I will <laughs> accept it and, um, and savor it and cherish it. Adam, thanks, Good. dude. Thanks for the shout. I appreciate it. I, I'm always, uh, look, look. I, I'm as self, I'm as self conscious as they come, and uh, so I appreciate any sort of compliments coming my way. So thank you very much. Of course, that's why I'm, that's and, why I'm a great I'm, actor. I feel the same way as you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but today I'm running the show. It's my pick uh, this week, as per usual. You know, we flip flop back and forth, and my pick this week, um, really quickly, a couple of episodes back, we reviewed the film Color Out of Space, mm-hmm. and that was Corey's pick. And Corey chose that movie because he wanted to do a modern film and see kind of just like test the waters with something new. And I thought, okay, what's going to be my modern pick? So I went into the uh, recent troves and I wanted to pick something indie like he did and something that maybe not everybody's seen, um, something a little bit controversial in the Stranger Things esque way uh but my pick this week is the 19 <laughs> 19 <laughs> fuck i know it's it's funny how like you just defaultly went for the 19 yeah and i was like hmm that's not right but i'll just see where this goes Let's see yeah and my pick this week is the 2018 horror film summer of 84 Nice, nice. And I'm glad you picked it, too, because this has been on my to-watch list for a while now. And right around the time that I did the unboxing video for this, I, I, I for some reason saw like a flood of posts online that day. I don't know what kind of weird synchronicity it was, but I was just like, man, I was like, you know, I, I, I've been wanting to watch this. I hope I hope we get to watch it soon. I didn't even know at the time that you were going to even pick it. So imagine my surprise or actually you don't have to imagine it. You can see it on the unboxing video on our Patreon page. And uh, I was thrilled, thrilled to get this. I was like, holy shit. Yes, yes, yes. And uh Oh man, it's um, it's a doozy. <laughs> this one is a doozy. Now, 
let me ask you this, Zach, before you sort of get into the stuff on your end about it. With Colorado Space, when I picked it, neither of us had seen it. So for me, yes. it was like I bought it sight unseen. So it was a gamble. Had you seen this before you picked it? I did. Uh, in fact, that's oftentimes one of the, uh, what do you call it? The One of the criteria for the movies I choose on our show I, I am a repeat offender when it comes to watching movies. You know, back in the day, I would watch the same VHS tape over and over and over. You rent it from the video store. You got two days to have it out. I would watch that shit as much as I could because I just wanted to absorb it. If, if I didn't like it, then I watched it once. Um, I'm not going to name. Well, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but. But oftentimes, yeah, I go into Suncoast Video, buying that shit. And like, if I'm going to buy a movie, I'm going to watch it over and over and over again. So that's how I go into modern movies. I have been hyped for this film since um, the directors did Turbo Kid, which I'm a huge yes. fan of. And I hey, I'm a Turbo- fan of too. And I saw it yes. with you. The 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 yes. you introduced me to Turbo Kid. Um, unfortunately, I haven't seen it since you and I watched it together, which was probably what's probably four years ago, something like yeah, that. Dude. Maybe maybe yeah. no longer than that. I think okay. uh, it was before Bodhi was born. So at least six. And uh, yeah, that that movie, like, look, that movie came out around the same time, like Kung Fury came out, uh, the retro 80s vibe was like in full effect, Stranger Things had just come out. And and I think we had just seen um, the editor just prior to Turbo Kid. I believe the editor came out first, and that kind of introduced me to the whole Astron Six thing. And I know Turbo Kid is not Astron Six, although it kind of like I feel like it's very parallel to like that the the aesthetics and and, and the sensibilities of Astron Six. Um, but I feel like uh, if I remember correctly, you introduced me to the editor, and I was like, oh, that's awesome! Like you said, we're we're it's this there was this moment in time around stranger things where people were doing these all like big budget homages and they're not like the difference is they weren't like doing like remakes of 80s movies which is which seems to be usually when people get a taste of nostalgia they like to remake things but stranger things really sort of gave these filmmakers a desire to just recreate the vibe of the 80s versus actually remaking them. So, so you know, we watched The Editor, and then, um, you know, I, I don't remember how long after, but I, they're kind of grouped together. We watched Turbo Kid, and I'm just yeah. like, this is so freaking awesome. These movies just feel like they were made back then, you know, but with, you know, aesthetics of nowadays, and it's just like, you get it. Y'all, you guys all get it at this point, but uh, it's cool. It's like Stranger Things, you know? It's like, it's really, really freaking cool. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I, th- I think in some weird ways, um, it, it's almost cool to bag on Stranger Things now. Like, it's a cool thing to do. Like, oh, this show is so crappy or whatever. But let's be honest. When that show first came out, everybody lost their shit. Everybody thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Has it jumped the shark? Uh, a little bit. But the first season was amazing. And I mean, honestly, know, I'll say I, I didn't like season two, but I loved season three. I thought season I, three was a great retur- return to form. I did too. I totally did. I, I feel, and I, I understand people uh, saying it was like a big commercial for like product placement stuff. But let's also remember that this is television, and they need to find a way to make money. And um, it's just the nature of the beast. So I think when Turbo Kid had come out, I was expecting it to be parody. I expected it to be homage parody, like the editor is. You know, mm-hmm. where it's it's poking fun, but it really loves the genre. Turbo Kid, when we watched it, was straight up 
like action post-apocalyptic drama uh, yeah. a la like solar babies so I, I was totally down with that i'm always down for parody um or, or comedic tribute which i would say kung fury definitely is but i yeah. love all this shit i love i love synth wave as we talked about in the last episode uh clearly i love synth wave with tangerine dream being two of the movies to being the basis for two of the movies that i chose um fairly recently but yeah th- this movie so when I heard about Summer of 84 coming out, I got really juiced for it. I was just like, oh, this is going to be hot shit. Uh, and, and it's indie. It's low budge. It's it's very minimal. Uh, they're probably picking, you know, clothes that they found at the thrift store. Like, they're, they're, they're not, they don't have a budget like Netflix does. So they can, you know, make sure everyone's wearing the latest Gap. 80s fashion trends um so they did i think they they you know will obviously dive into that but but it's a low budget uh throwback film that really got me excited i watched it once and to be honest with you i thought it was okay the first time i watched it then i watched it again for this obviously and i thought holy shit this is now i know exactly why i chose this film um so yeah we'll obviously get in all that in a little bit yeah, um, and and with you, I actually liked it more the second time watching it. Uh, and and my first time watching it was like two nights ago with my wife, and then I watched it today just to take notes and everything on it because I don't want to. I don't want to go into a review only watching a, a movie once. I don't think that's yeah. that's fair. And uh, especially with a movie like this, which I feel very much rewards repeat viewing so you can kind of totally. uh, hone in on some of the you know the, the beats they were trying to go for and you realize just how how deep and, and and smart it is um now we normally at the beginning of these episodes um or at the beginning of our show we normally talk about like our familiarity with the movie and zach you know does have some familiarity but we usually talk about our our nostalgia of it but since we don't really have that since the movie's technically only been out for like two years um we're gonna give you guys a very spoiler free uh a very small review at the top uh just to let you all know what our thoughts are so if you want to stop the, the the episode and actually go and watch it before we do our usual full spoiler breakdown review like we did with color out of space we're not gonna you know stop we're not gonna hold back we're still gonna do our normal formula so uh zach what a you want to give us the your spoiler-free, high, like just high-level review, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, w- without spoiling anything. Um, and and, and I, I really feel like when we do the full-on review, after, I almost want to be careful about giving away the ending um, because it's I, such a I big know, deal. I know, but it's... I but know, and I I agree with you, which is, which is why I like to put this at... You know, why we put this at the front. But yeah, I know, our... our our formula of, of how we re-review movies does not lend itself to being spoiler-free, unfortunately. Well, I, and so, I have to talk. I have to talk a lot about that ending. Yes, so do I. And and so with that being said, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, I highly recommend it. I think it is. It pays homage to a lot of great '80s movies of the time. But let's be honest, folks, like this is rear window. This is Alfred Hitchcock. This is looking in your window at the person across the uh, apartment complex or across the street and voyeuristically spying on them. So if anybody says, oh, this is a ripoff of an 80s movie. No, in fact, they are borrowing from Alfred Hitchcock, folks. So (laughs) that's where it comes from. Like it's from the master of horror back in the day. Uh, It doesn't didn't start in 1986 with Fright Night or 
that movie that came out a few years uh, in the 90s with um, Shia LaBeouf. Like it, th- th- these movies all came from something else. The source material is always there. It, it always comes from something else. It's just, is it done well? Um, and yeah, I think this movie, you know, it centers around a group of kids in a suburb uh, in Oregon and the summer of 84. And they're investigating a, a series of kids missing. And um, th- this this kid, the main kid, Davey, he's being, um, he's got the haunts for his next door neighbor, Nikki, who's on her way, moving away. Uh, and it turns out Nikki used to be his babysitter. And so that's awkward. Uh, and it creates for some really great comedic scenes. Um, that, I guess I just spoiled something. I was going to say, is this a review or are you getting into the movie, buddy? <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Anyways, quick review. I loved it. Uh, I think it's, if you're a fan of Fright Night, uh, if you're a fan of, yeah, Goonies-esque, Explorers, um, Silver Bullet, uh, you know, shit like that where the parents don't believe the kids then this is a movie for you. And, and I think it's done well. Uh, you know, there's a, like a little X-Files um, vibe to it as well. And uh, yeah, that's my, that's my short but long review. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's not our normal uh, format, so we don't normally uh, do it that way. Um, yeah, man, I, I think that this movie is a lot of fun. I think it's very well made. Um, I think that the kid actors are outstanding in it. I think that a lot of what happens and the dialogue that happens is actually very like realistic of what would sort of happen in that situation. Um, but all of it has just this wonderful... Uh, you know, set design to it uh, that that just really captures the 80s and not in a, like, over-the-top nostalgic way. I think they do it in a very subtle way, but it's also very in-your-face, too, and it's it's very 80s. Um, yeah. The soundtrack is truly the... the, the the X factor, the icing on the cake with, with totally. this. The, the music in this movie is unbelievable. It's yeah, everything agreed. from Psycho. Uh, you got your Alfred Hitchcock homage in there a couple times um, to, to John Carpenter to, to modern synthwave. It's like it. I told my wife, I was like, it's like John Carpenter meets FM 84 and, yeah. and, you know, throw in some midnight, but honestly, probably more FM 84. And, uh, the only thing I'll have to say is that that it's it's definitely more of a thriller than a horror movie. So I would definitely go in expecting more of a thriller type of scenario. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's it does have a bit of a of a of an ending that sort of twists it in you, you know, or kind of sticks it in you and twists. And uh, just just gonna put it at the top because of the ending, not because of of the the situation, but because of sort of what happens makes it a bit uncomfortable for me. And I, I think it will lend itself for me to not have repeat viewings because of the crummy feeling that it gave me. But mm. that is not a condemnation on the quality. That's actually uh, uh, me giving you know the movie accolades because it made me feel, you know what I mean? So I, I love it. I think it's a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, I would highly... I would never say this normally, like turn off the podcast and go watch it. I would say it now. Please pause right where you are right now and go watch the movie. If you have if you have Shudder, it's on Shudder. Go watch it. Oh, cool. It's fantastic. Okay. I love it. I think it's a great movie, 
and it's a lot of fun. And if anything, download that soundtrack. Yeah, uh, that's Lamatos, by the way. And they also did the soundtrack for Turbo Kid. And I, w- I would just piggyback really quickly on on your comments regarding the ending. I, I agree with what you're saying, uh, and I would take the flip side to it. That's why I watched it. It's one of the reasons why I watched it again, because it, it's, it's such a... I'll be honest with you. I it was it was a shock twist that I yeah. really appreciated that that you don't often see. And in fact, um, dare I say, on the spoiler version that we're that we'll get to in a little bit, um, it's something resume, resonated with something that resonated with me from my childhood. Uh, okay. It or not. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> I have actually a, a a childhood trauma that this attaches to, uh, or this sort of parallels uh, <laughs> Pet, <laughs> Pet Cemetery Two, um, and uh, uh, and I'm like, okay, and and it's like, yeah, the the ending is one of those ones that's in your gut, and it kind of makes you feel a little bit sick and everything. But if that ending wasn't the case. I think this movie would have been forgettable. Um, it would have, it, or it wouldn't have lasted. I, I didn't want that ending to happen, but at the same time, it's what makes the movie stand out from the crowd uh, in a good way. And you know, not that not that any of the acting was bad to begin with, because I honestly, I think even without that ending, it would still stand out. But that ending is what is what's going to make this, I think, a cult classic moving forward into the future. Yeah, I will. Um... You know, you mentioned the about the the acting, and uh, the, the obviously we'll get into it deeper when we discuss the film on our spoiler version. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, but the yeah, the kid actors that you had mentioned, man, oh man, like sincerely, you know, oftentimes yes. people say, oh, that guy doesn't look, he looks like ten years older than they make a kind of a fun reference to that in the movie. Yeah, uh, they do. You know, <laughs> and, and then there's another guy who reminds me ex- so much of a young Stephen Jeffries. And just like, man, if this was in the if this came out in eighty four, Stephen Jeffries would be that kid in the movie. So yeah. um yeah. I'm I, I really appreciate the words you you use to describe your feelings on this film. And, um, and I echo those sentiments. So I can't wait to hear about your trauma. Um, so yeah, that'll probably wrap up our mini review and, um, let's, let's just do the thing. Yeah. Let's get into our normal, uh, breakdown of the, the cast and crew or, or whoever's applicable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because because both Corey and I off air were like, well, there's not a whole lot to say about the cast and crew. But, you know, then I started digging a little bit deeper and I'm like, holy shit, I didn't know that guy was that's kind of a big deal. So um, anyways, summer of 84 is directed by and I'm going to I'm going to butcher their names and I apologize in advance. Uh, Francois Simard, Anouk Whistle or Weissel and Johan Carl Whistle or Weissel. Not sure. Uh, they make up the group of RKSS. That's their that's their directorial name. Uh, and right. like we said, they did Turbo Kid. Um, really cool that they did three have three directors for this movie. It's an in- interesting um, way to do it. There's a great movie that came out in the early 2000s called The Signal. That uh, mm, you and directed, I watched that together. Yeah, and I love that movie. It's directed in two parts. Um, and is it two parts? Maybe it's three. It's been a while since I've seen it, folks. Sorry. But uh, anyways, it's got two different directors, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, Well, The, the Void definitely of... does. The, the it's Void like does, the void. yeah. 
so these multiple directors make it work. You know, the Duff Brothers um, are another group. And then uh, there was a du- there's been duo directors back in the day, but I've never heard of a, a three way, uh, which is a yeah, cool, cool thing. Cool concept. Um, but be- getting to the cast. I'm just I'm not going to hit everybody. I'm just going to kind of hit the, the the main characters playing Davey. The the lead is Graham Vercher. I think I'm saying his name correctly. Um, he's in The Good Son. Uh, that's a pretty popular good, show, I think. Uh, the Good Doctor. The Good Doctor, sorry. The Good Son is uh, the Macaulay Culkin <laughs> movie, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's hilarious. Um, yeah, The Good Doctor. And he was also on one season of Fargo, which I love. Yeah. Man, the show Fargo on FX is phenomenal. He yeah. plays Davey. Judah Lewis uh, plays Eats. And Eats, uh, Judah, was in a movie called The Babysitter, which is on Netflix, by the way. Very Another retro kind of horror film. And I think that one's kind of slasher, but also kind of funny, right? Or I might be yeah. thinking of something else. I thought that was no, a bit it's of a funny. comedy. Supernatural. Um, know, okay, yeah, yeah, a little supernatural thing to it. Um, I know him from The Christmas Chronicles. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh yeah, I love the Christmas Chronicles. Have I know that was that? that was a fun movie, man. That was super fun. Honestly, of all the the shitty Netflix movies that are out there, that was actually one that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, no, dude. I I mean, look, anything with Kurt Russell, I'm sold. So yeah, of course, of course. The greatest, the greatest. <laughs> well, the greatest everything, in my opinion. Um, then Woody is played by Caleb Emery, my favorite character in the entire movie. Ditto, ditto, and ditto. Um, <laughs> and my favorite actor, point. too. He was fantastic. This dude, this dude is so good. Uh, he is so good. And he's he's on a he was on the show um The Hunters on Amazon. He's got okay. a fairly big role in that in the first few episodes. Uh he's in Goosebumps, Fist Fight, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky is actually a pretty decent flick if you've never seen I, it. Actually, I really enjoyed Logan Lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's it's good. And you know, he Look, I think I feel like he's an up and coming actor. We're gonna see him a lot. Yes, more. that was honestly when when I that was my thought on all four of them. I was like, oh, we're gonna yeah. see they're gonna be around for a while. But I do truly believe that uh, Caleb Emery is the standout uh, uh, star of the movie. To wholeheartedly agree. That guy has got just he's just got quality. He's got a presence about him that I don't think we've I've ever seen on uh, before. Um, and then Corey Gruder Andrew rounds out the, the four boys. Uh, he plays Faraday. He, to me, is a spitting image of Stephen Jeffries, dude. Yeah. Like, he is, he's Evil Ed. He's Evil yeah. Ed if Evil Ed wasn't, like, was, was, was a part of the crew. Um, and, and he has, he's probably had the smallest amount of credits, but he's had pretty big credits. He was in the show called The 100 on the CW. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's what he's mostly known for. Uh, turns out the, the the producer of that show is a good friend of mine, which is, I, and so I always promote it. I'm like, oh, go check out the 100. It's, it's good <laughs> shit. Um, and then Nikki, played by Tierra uh, Scov Scovby Scovby. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard to say her name. My my wife knows her from Riverdale. Yeah, so I've never watched Riverdale. I know it's hella popular. Hella, I can't believe I just said that. Uh, and then for you, for you no cow people, hecka popular, um, or is that so? I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, the, the Riverdale. That's enough said. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a that's that's a high profile show. So Dude, good, no, good for her shit. on that one. 
that shit is like the uh, the Buffy slash Dawson's Creek of its time right now, right? It's it's super popular. Yeah, um, yeah. And pr- I if- I find I find the current evolution of Archie to be absolutely fascinating. Not not that I necessarily yeah. watch Riverdale, but the fact that they took a brand and spun it in this way. Like I am fascinated by whoever took control of, of Archie comics and, and, and went in this direction. And I hope to God we get like some kind of documentary on it because there's, there's gotta be a story there of how like, you know, afterlife with Archie, like Archie just exploded like five years ago when they just did afterlife with Archie and then they rebooted Archie. uh, And then that's what they turned into Riverdale, the show, but it was, they rebooted Archie too and made it more like, you know, mature and everything. And then CW just ran with it. But I just, I love the fact that Archie's been around forever. And then someone, you know, there, the president, whoever was the editor in chief just was like, you know what? We're going to just do something completely different. And it worked. It all worked. I'm very, I'm so very fascinated by that story. You know what, dude, that, 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 that you hearing you say it in that way uh, made me think how badass would it be if they did a version of Flintstones where it was like, they did that. No, the, uh, the DC comics rebooted Flintstones um, about, I think around the same time, five years ago, cause it was with the Archie thing. They did so much good shit in that. And it, I think it was a mini series. It had fantastic okay. art. They, I mean, it was still the Flintstones, but they had kind of modern issues that they were dealing with and how oh, would cool. the Flintstones deal with those issues. It was really fucking cool, dude. That's cool. Like I'm totally, I'd totally be down for that. You know, yeah. they do shit, do that with the Jetsons. So yeah. here's my thing about remaking stuff. If it's been 40, 50 yeah. years, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. It's time. But if it's yeah, been it's 10 years, 20 <laughs> years, like how many times did they redo Black Christmas? Three times, you know? And yeah. the third time around, they're like, no, it's going to be totally different. Nah, who cares? It's going to be PG-13 or something. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? How dare how you? I said good day, sir. I said good day. Uh, and, and rounding out the 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 cast of Ne'er-Do-Wells, um, this guy, Wayne Mackey. Who's uh, who's got a pretty prominent role in the movie? The character Wayne Mackey. <laughs> we'll get to him in a minute. But that's he's played by Rich Somer. Somer. I, th- uh, I think it's M's. I think it's Somer. Um, I know him from Mad Men, and then later he was on Glow. But I, that's he where was, I know him from. Yeah, he was on his character on Mad Men was he was fine. He was kind of sniveling like a little sniveling ish um but I, I could always tell that the actor was good i just didn't love the character seeing him in this i have a whole new respect for that for this actor awesome uh, the third act switch yeah uh, we're in spoiler territories now guys i hope you turned it off after earlier but uh the third act switch I'm watching it and i'm just like mesmerized by him i yeah, think he me too crushed it in this movie me too me too uh yeah he does an excellent i mean like you said everybody does an excellent job he did a top-notch job like just uh and and yeah and i like i said i recognized him from glow um but never really saw i never watched mad men but kind of want to check it out now even if he plays a sniveling shit like in glow he plays a kind of a jerk on that too so uh exactly yeah and in on mad men he's not like one of the main characters but he's one of those characters that's kind of uh even though they're like they're like a c character they're they're around the entire series you know so he does like actually have arcs and, and and does things and you know actually has things to do but this is 
definitely his his movie. This is oh, yeah. all him, you know? Oh, Mr. Mackey, no doubt. Um, I, I just want to round out really quick and just see the writers are Matt Leslie and Stephen J. Smith. You know, we normally don't always shout out the directors, but I think it's, it's, it's important for an indie movie like this, uh, a new film. Uh, hopefully we'll see more from these guys in the future. And that's another reason why I chose this movie. I, I want to see more from this this team, uh, RKSS. And I love what they do. And keep doing it. Like, just just keep churning out shit like this. This is a nice homage. You th- yeah, you're right. Thriller, horror, ele- elements of horror, uh, the whole deal. And again, that soundtrack, that synth soundtrack, Lamatos, which is a perfect um, description you said, FM84 meets Tangerine Dream-esque. That hits the nail on the head. So that rounds yeah, out dude. summer of 84. Dude. Oh man. I'm honestly, I am excited to get into this with you, buddy. I, I very, very much enjoyed my time with this movie. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it with you. I'm excited to, to dig in all into all the fun little references that are in this movie. Oh, dude. And before, yeah. before we jump in, I just want to say, you know, we watch movies like, yeah, well, we watch movies from the 80s and stuff to kind of give us that nostalgia to kind of remember our own childhoods. Then we watch movies or shows like Glow because they kind of like, you know, it's like an, another little piece of nostalgia. But this yeah. is a different kind of nostalgia. This totally. is a, there's no nostalgia here. You know what I mean? Like what it does is it doesn't give you the 80s in nostalgia form. It just transports you to the 80s. And yes. that is a distinction that I want to make at the top here and and praise them for it because it's not like they're like, oh, they're not showing us visual cues to be like, oh, don't you remember this? And I feel like Stranger Things does that where it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's giving me the, the nostalgia goosebumps. This just puts you in the 80s with these kids and if you pick up on things if there's anything that gives you a little piece of nostalgia that's great but otherwise it's just a movie that takes place in the 80s and because of that it's awesome you know like it it gives you those feels yeah you know it's uh i watched this with diallo and and my wife Kristen, and she actually really enjoyed it uh, and he loved it, and he said the exact same thing. He's like, "This is this is the difference between a lot of shows that are, you know, like Goldberg's or whatever that are, it, yeah. you know, throw all that shit in your face." And this is very subtle. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's because of the fact that it's an indie film and their budget was low, and they they got what they could or maybe that was intentional i would love to meet them actually and, and ask find out honestly man you, you know you mentioned budget earlier uh the only time i ever felt that it had a small budget was at the fair at the end because uh, it yes. just didn't look as big as i thought it should be but i thought they did a fine enough job like shooting it so that you couldn't really get that sense um but other than that i never really had any i mean i thought the clothes were awesome i thought the 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 set decoration was great um the only, I'll bring it up now only because I'm talking about it now. The only inconsistency that I saw in the set decoration was this takes place in, in 1984. Uh, he wouldn't have really any images of gray aliens on his wall because Communion, <laughs> the book, did not come out until 87. And the the cover of the book Communion, which later got turned into a movie with Christopher Walken, the cover of that book is kind of the, 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 not the first time, but probably the biggest time that that's when gray aliens essentially the look of them kind of popped into the the zeitgeist so i don't fault them for it because it's only a couple years difference but i saw that and i was like 
let me uh, let me look up communion real quick. And I was like, ah, 87. But I was like, you know what? Doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter whatsoever. But I thought that was interesting. I just wanted to point that out. To, no, you know, no. To make me sound smart. <laughs> no, dude, that, that, that that's a really, I mean, I'm sure people are listening to this right now going, oh my God, he knows his stuff so well, which is true. Corey does know his shit so well. But uh, not as much as Zach does. Not as good well, as Zach. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I kind of felt the same way about at one point, one of the characters wearing a Nike uh, pullover and a Reebok pullover at one point. And those <laughs> don't look um, like era or year specific to me. They look a little oh, okay. more modern, but that's neither here nor there. I think it's like that to me, you know, a, a good a good play can be low budget and you can yeah. still be captivated by it. Uh, a good musical, a good movie can be like they can just pick up scraps and just you can become the character. So, yeah, no, that's a good point, though. That was and I love communion. Your uh, communion's a dope flick. So uh, one of the best, in my opinion. And let me just say, <laughs> I mean, if that's what I was harping on, it's kind of a spoiler of, of like how fondly I'm going to uh, praise this movie because my my biggest gripe was the communion thing. You know, <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, no, 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 seriously, dude. I think there was at one point because Diallo had said he's like, I, I really like this movie. This is a really good movie. Like and, and I really appreciated that because I, I value Diallo's opinion. Uh, yeah. And I and I appreciated hearing him do that because I, I was nervous going into this movie, picking a modern film. You know, I was going to go with like the typical, you know, like again, and what I love, like it follows the guest, you're next. Those those mm-hmm. movies may come up. They may or may no, not. We'll I, see. I'm fairly certain it follows and the guests will be on at some point in a year or so. It doesn't matter. But it, you got our guarantee on both of those movies. Yeah. Pretty I, yeah much. Let's be honest. It's going to happen. But um, yeah. but yeah, summer of 84, like like the same like you said, the same reason. The reason you chose uh, Color Out of Space, Richard Stanley, I wanted to do something that was kind of in vain with with the things I love. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know that Fright Night is one of my favorite movies of all time, and this definitely has elements of that, um, right down to like bits of dialogue, but we'll get to that later. So let's just get right into it. The sheriff's office reports they're likely looking for a white male. Preferred targets appear to be males age 12 to 16. It's a serial killer. The caveman chronicle received a letter from an individual calling themselves the caveman slayer. There's a serial killer on the loose. What else could possibly be this exciting? Incoming titties. 12 o'clock. Guys, Nikki Keshuba. Scientifically the perfect woman. Huh. Better view of my room than I thought. Sweet dreams. Emergency meeting, treehouse. Now, Mackie is the Cape May Slayer. Mackie's a cop with a sick reputation. Wasn't counting on us. That's blood. Baby. Hey. Guys, I'm freaking out, okay? Relax. You look like you're 30. It's gonna be fine. Now go. You're gonna get caught either by Mackie or your dad. I know I'm right about him. That doesn't prove anything. Are you with me? I don't want anything bad to happen to you. We're trying to save people. Yeah, well, you're not. Guys at the station are going to love this. <laughs> Just let it go. Sorry again that you're grounded. Let's see if I can get you out of this house. No hard feelings. You were wrong. You were wrong about everything. Oh, 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 oh. 
serial killers live next door to somebody. The movie opens with a narration, and it's Davey narrating. You don't necessarily know that yet, though, because you haven't met the character. Uh, and I'm not going to read the whole bit of dialogue, but he, he says, you know, even serial killers live next to somebody. And it's this kind of riff on suburbs in the 80s. And mm-hmm. suburbs didn't start out in the 80s. They started back in the 70s. Go see a movie called Over the Edge, which was like a very exploitation dark movie about suburbs in the 70s and how kids couldn't do shit. And then in the 80s, that's when they started hyping up and things were getting rough and everybody knew each other's business or either knew too much or didn't know enough about somebody. Um, so there's a cool little narration in the opening. It yeah. the, the title card says it's Ipswich, Oregon. Yeah. And, and a fantastic a, uh, song score is is playing over this opening intro is just amazing. Sets the tone so well. And by the way, I love voiceovers that that set you up. I I love I just I love the way this movie started. I was like, oh my god, this this has me right here, right here and right now from the get go with the music and the voiceover. It had me. Yeah, I agree. Um, it it didn't sound cliche and it sounded so authentic. And maybe that's the fact that it's an actor we've never heard of. Maybe just the fact that he's just a damn good actor yeah. that I've never heard of anyways. Um, so yeah, it, it focuses in on this kid riding his bike. He's, um, he's a paper boy back when there were paper boys. <laughs> uh, I remember that shift by the way, when paper boys in my area started converting to cars and people driving around in <laughs> Ford Tauruses with the label of the newspaper on the car. And I'm like, that's weird. What happened to paper boys? Anyways. Uh, yeah. He's delivering newspapers as the narration's playing. And it kind of gets a sense of this suburban, you know, uh, neighborhood. Everybody's got their quirks and he rolls up on his final delivery of the day, which is, uh, the Mackey house, Mr. Mackey. And he goes to deliver the paper and uh, the front page of the paper says, uh, Freeport boy still missing. So there's, you know, there's this idea of like, there's kids missing and something weird's going on in this town. And Mr. Mackey comes out to Davey and their friends, their buddies. He's known him since he's a little kid. And, uh, Mr. Mackey invites Davey inside because Davey, he owes Davey money for his um, for his paper route. Yeah. And he was going to pay him, but he asks Davey if he can give him a hand with something first. Of course, of course. The cabinet. And you watch this the first time, and I, you know, didn't really believe that, that Mackie was going to be anything bad until almost the very end. But you watch it now that it, this movie is so rewarding to repeat viewings it really is because it also allows you to watch these interactions and these dialogues between uh, Mackie and Davey and you realize just how scary it actually is even though uh, you know you didn't at the time except the music the music always knows it's always informing you what's happening yeah. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Even when I was like, music, I think you were wrong at one point. And I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, you weren't wrong, music. You were never wrong. So the music in this movie is like almost like omniscient. You know, it, it yes. knows everything. Yeah. And, and, and I think we've talked about it before. I know we've talked about it before in previous episodes. Um, 
a good soundtrack can change a movie on a dime or a bad soundtrack can change a movie on a dime. Uh, and, and this, yeah, the, the, the soundtrack is so good, so effective. Um, yeah, this movie has so many little Easter eggs that if you watch it again, you're like, oh, okay, I noticed this now. Uh, and, it's, I'm not gonna and it's not just that. like like 80s Easter eggs. They're like Easter eggs in the movie. Like when, when yeah. Davey goes into the house and he's looking at all the, the pictures on the wall and he's like, you have a big family. The first time you watch it, I'm like, where is this going? The second time you watch it, you're like, holy shit. You know, like you're yeah. right there. You're in yeah. the lair of the demon. Guys, full spoilers at this point. You know that. So Yes. Yeah, so for at, the, at this point, we're just going to throw it all on the table. But um, yeah, because Davey goes into Mackie's house and he looks at the wall and there's all these pictures on the wall. And he, like you just said, talks about the family. Um, and he's like, oh, my family's, you know, all over the place. They're, they're very far away, essentially. Um, and they're moving this giant cabinet into the basement. And they get into the basement with the cabinet. And there's this big, loud kind of shaking, shuddering noise. And Davey turns around. It's the hot water heater, which sounds like a like a like a body shuffling basically out it's very jarring <laughs> um and Mackie shows Davy his dark room that he has downstairs he sees another door that has a padlock on it and he's wondering about that yeah of course <laughs> and their interactions are are so good when Mackie yeah. I mean the, the reason that I uh, the actor the guy who plays Mackie is so good is because he is so genuine. He's like, oh, man, did I drop that on your foot? You know, like, dude, I, I'm i just literally blown away by him. He was so, He's so genuine, and which makes it even freakier when you watch it a second time and you see how genuine and how nice he is knowing what's underneath and everything. Man, I'm just like, fuck. But then, you know, I, again, also on the second time, I noticed when he said, uh, you know, something about, oh, you know, uh, the, he's 15 or something like that, and uh, he yes. goes, um, yeah. he goes, oh, that's a that's a perfect age. I wish I could freeze it for you. And yes. right then, on the second viewing, right then I go, oh, that was them telling you what is in his head as a serial killer. That's why he's yes. killing these kids to freeze them, essentially, probably at that age. But the second time that I watched that, because writing 101, screenwriting 101, is your your thesis is going to be in the first 10 minutes of the movie, like your thesis of the movie. And I felt like that was a part of it. That right there at the beginning was was them saying, setting up what Mackie's thesis was for this entire film. And it's, yeah, he just you, wants to freeze them. It, it's 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 a first viewing or second. It's a creepy line because it just feels like why would he say that and why would he want to freeze him up at that point? You know, uh, full disclosure. When I was a kid, I was almost kidnapped three times. Uh, no joke, three separate occasions. I might have brought it yep. up in previous episodes. Yep, uh, you sure did. <laughs> okay, well there you go. So to me, like this idea of. Uh, kids being naive and being lured and if people go oh that's so unrealistic that would never happen no it's that shit happens all the fucking time in fact yeah. you know it, it, it happened not that long ago when that chick and her this chick uh the woman and her like uh was kidnapped and she had to have like kids with this guy in cleveland uh he, he had and, and they all broke out of the house eventually Oh uh, yeah, is is that what uh, that's what they turned the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt uh, sort yeah, of into? Which is, yeah, yeah. When I told Kristen that was kind of based on a true story, she's like, "I don't know if this I can find this funny now." You know, this well, is so horrible. I'm like, well, it's, it's, 
it's kind of like when uh, uh, Dan- Danny McBride made a movie with uh, what's his name from social media, but it was about the whole thing about putting the the, the um, collar, the explosive collar on that guy on somebody's neck. You know, uh, okay. that the pe- like that happened in real life when when like a saw scenario sort of happened in real life, Jesus. and then they turned that into just a comedy movie, and everyone was oh, like, "Oh yeah, I know they yeah. made a movie about that." Well, yeah, and then they also made a Netflix documentary about the real thing. I watched the documentary. Mastermind, but then they made a movie uh, with Danny McBride, where of course Danny McBride and and I think the other persons they're they're morons and they're they're doing that, but you know they're idiots, so no one you know dies or anything. But um, but yeah, it was it's a weird thing where you they took a a real life horrific thing and then just said, oh, we're gonna turn this into a comedy movie. It's like really okay, but I mean, I love Danny McBride, so I saw it, and it was funny. So do I. I was like, okay. I loved it, and I watched that documentary. It scared the shit out of me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Yeah, so so already you're setting the tone out kind of creepy yeah. with Mr. Mackey next door. Cuts to the evening time, and Davey's out with his buddies playing a game. The game's called Manhunt. And Did you ever play that as a kid? I, I didn't call it Manhunt, but I definitely played that game. Um, we, we, we just called, we called it Flashlight Tag. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like, yeah, I, yeah. I, and, and that brought back all the feels dude. Cause I totally did that shit. Sweating my ass off in the middle of the summer, being scared as shit, yeah. not, you know, not want to get caught. And of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And, and, and that's this, I guess that's what I am meaning when I'm like, this movie isn't like just throwing nostalgia at you. It actually is making you feel like you're in that world. And maybe it's because I did the same thing. Probably not when I was 15. Uh, I mean, 84, obviously I was, I was a lot younger. Um, but I, I don't, I probably never didn't play like, you know, up until I was that age, but I was like around 13 and 12 doing that. And because when in the summer times, my dad and, and, and down in Virginia lived like on a, on a cul-de-sac that was in a, like a, in a development that was like a rural development off of a main road that wasn't even pop populous to begin with. So there was just no chance of anything really bad happening. Yeah. Everyone knew everyone. Anyone who even came down that street was, would live there. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah. a delivery person, like other than that, there was no through street to it. No one else would go there. So do we could, we were through everyone's backyards. You know, I, I just can imagine a random summer, 1985 through 88, you know, you just like open up the screen door and you would just hear kids cackling, see flashlights in the woods, you know, running around. And dude, this was my fucking summers for realsies, man. This was my summers. Yeah, th- that's what I love. That's one of the things I love about, about this movie is because they're not saying, oh, let's go to the Burger King or let's go to, you know, um, 7-Eleven's got those new slushies or whatever, you know, where it's very where they're like trying to let you know that it's 1984. No, this is this is. Taking you, like you said earlier, this takes takes you back to that time, and it feels super authentic to me. It did, um, and 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 where you're with your buddies and you're out and about and you're on a team and and you don't want to get caught. Davy, because they're in a cul-de-sac as well. Davy's over by Mr. Mackey's house and he spots Mackey in the window of his house with another kid, um, and and then he gets startled by his buddies uh, who catch him. Did you notice that when Mackie was talking to that other kid, he was talking into the phone for a second and then he kind of did like the whole like, oh, no one's there. You, you could just tell what that's sort of what he was saying. Do you think he was doing the same technique that he did to Davey later by calling yes. like a wrong number? Yes. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. And and that is why this movie is awesome on repeat viewing. So what I th- that's a great spot. And what I went where I went with that was the kid said oh, I should probably call home and let my parents know that I'm running late. And he's like, oh, I'll call your parents. What's mm-hmm. the number? You know, and oh, they, they're they're not answering the phone, and it's so yeah. fucking creepy, man. It's so Mr. Roper in the different strokes, like oh, I've got a video gar- our, our video game in the back of my store. Why don't you come back and I'll let you play some video games? Next, thing you know, Arnold gets raped. I know the famous different strokes episode that you're referring to was his name Roper in that one, like with the like Three's Company. No, no, it, 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 um, shit. What was his name? Gordon Jump. Sorry, Gordon Jump. He was the. And I don't know the character's name, but Gordon Jump was from WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, I, I always knew him from WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. But that Sorry, is a was... famous that is a famous episode of like from TV history is yes. the Different Strokes uh, molestation episode. Dude, Just that's... look it up; it's famous. And it's what's so creepy about it is at the end they're like, you know, if this is you know if something ever happens to you, call nine you know, call nine one one. Blah blah blah. Oh, the shit that shit always gave me chills, especially being you know, a potential victim of that stuff back in the day. Uh, just hit a little too whole, uh, close to home, but yeah, dude, great, great spot by the way. So from there, it cuts to Davey with his crew eats Woody Faraday, um, who right away. And that to me is a sign of a good movie too. If you pick up on these characters names right away and you don't Mm -hmm. forget them, like I instantly knew who they were and they're so distinctly different and they were not, necessarily cliches um eats yeah. reminded me a little bit of rudy in monster squad but not exactly like yeah. rudy from monster yeah. squad had a 1950s cool guy vibe eats is like down to him wearing a bad religion shirt later in the movie and i had to like source check source check that because i'm like was bad religion around in early 80s and shit they've been around since 1980 which i didn't yeah. know so I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's a notch because that, that where I was going with that was, oh, you know, this is like your communion spot. I'm like, oh, well, I thought Bad Religion came out in like the late '80s or whatever, but no, dude, they've been around since 1980. Um, yeah, and anyways, and you're, dude, you're 100 percent correct. Um, right out of the gate, the core unit of this group is fan fucking tastic. They they feel real. They feel fleshed out, you know, eats at first. I'm like, oh, okay, he's just going to be this character, but no, he's got depth to him, you know, and he's Major not like depth, an asshole, yeah. you know, like he acts like an asshole, but he's not. And that, and I just, I fucking loved him and I loved Faraday and I fucking loved fucking Woody, man. Uh, and it was probably because, you know, I kind, I wasn't, I wasn't that big, but I was the big lumbering kid in, in, you know, middle school and everything yeah. and early high school. And then everyone kind of just sort of sprouted past me. You know, but um, for a while I was kind of a little bit uh, uh, woody, Um, but every single one of them is just fantastic. Their rapport is great. Their back and forth is absolutely great. Uh, My only I just felt bad for the kid who plays Eats because he's going through clearly uh, puberty and they had to cake on his his makeup uh, to to cover the acne. But uh, and and it kind of it kind of reminded me of 
uh, Return of the Living Dead Part Two, <laughs> where the director was like, uh, the only problem with this actor, you know, the guy who played the, the the love interest kid, I forgot his name, is that he had bad acne. So I just uh, I just hooked him up with um, Accutane essentially, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> yeah. uh, the kid who plays Eats should have probably gotten some of that too. But oh well. But, but that aside, he was fantastic. A part of me feels like that's authentic though. Like I noticed that too, and and I thought about that, and I thought, you know what, we all had acne though. Like that's yeah. that's kind of yeah, cool. No, way. It, it, you know? it is authentic. It's just they caked on the makeup to hide it. Totally. So then I was like, ah, okay, that's not authentic. Yeah, because <laughs> at one point he looks like he's wearing full on makeup, and you're like, oh, come on. And you're like, just just, just do all natural. Who gives a shit? It's just acting. Yeah. We all had it. <laughs> um, yeah, because, yeah, we're introduced to everybody right before that, obviously. Um, but, you know, they're looking at a porno mag, which it's, it's such a great moment of looking at a porno mag because, look, we all. I'm not going to be honest with you. Like, I don't think I ever did that with my buddies, but I know my brother and his buddies did. So it was like a kind of a rite of passage. And it just felt very authentic in this clubhouse that they had. Um, well, I also liked the, uh, the, the poltergeist reference that they made about the, oh, you think that, that your house is just you know built on Indian burial ground or something. And I was like, uh, that's a poltergeist reference. I know that. Yeah, th- th- there's a couple moments in the movie where they like straight up, uh, like when they he says, "Hey, you want to come over and watch uh, Close Encounters with me or whatever?" Yeah. Like, but shit, that that's what you said back then, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You weren't saying let's make it a blockbuster night. <laughs> so. And when did Poltergeist come out? Do you remember? I think if you I only, don't I feel like it was like eight offhand. I feel like it was like eighty-two or eighty-three, early eighties. So, so it's not even like an homage. He he probably Davy probably saw Poltergeist and then thought you know and then just kind of went down that rabbit hole on his own. So I don't think they were maybe they weren't even making a reference to you know an homage. It was actually just a straight up like reference to them watching Poltergeist. But it's like yeah, what I what 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 makes the movie great. And I'll use this as an example of what I was saying earlier about about making an homage versus just putting it in that world. They didn't say oh like after that time you watched poltergeist you thought that there was an indie no poltergeist is just only a couple of years old in this world so they don't yeah. have to say remember when you watched poltergeist because everyone fucking saw poltergeist so it's just it's just a fucking thing and i love that they don't hammer that home for you that's good no. writing yeah it's i totally agree i totally agree um yeah th- th- this this kind of this scene sets the stage for who davy is as a character cuz they talk about they're talking about the kids who are missing uh, in, in and around the area and, and, you know, talking about how Davey's a conspiracy nut and he, he believes all this shit and you get a great shot later of his wall, which is very, reminds me of, um, uh, it's like, well, that's what Fox Mulder must've been like back in the day, uh, from <laughs> <Yeah>. X-Files, right? <laughs> And, and I love this cause they all go to beat off. Basically they all leave the scene yeah. and they're like, Oh, we're all going to jerk off. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. And just the dialogue is fantastic. It sounds like 15 year old boys because they yeah, say, dude. all right, I'm going to go home and beat off now. Like, is that's what you said to your friends at that age? Because you were always trying to fucking one up each other and gross each other out. Or, you know, you're always just trying to shock at that age. And it was just, it was perfect. I was shocked that they said it. And then I was like, that's fucking perfect. It is perfect, dude. It's exactly what happened. You know, I, I, uh, you and I, watch so many movies from the 80s and there's dialogue that you definitely can't say now if you did it would just be part of the a different movement uh and and i feel like this movie like captured just the bottom line of of shit kids said to each other you know they didn't have to go like too vulgar 
Yeah, it didn't. It didn't like spin it in a 2020 or, or 2018 viewpoint of of the 80s. It just was like this is what kids said yeah. for right or wrong. You know, uh, polit- there was no political correctness then. So for right or wrong, this this is what they would say, and I think they nailed it, man. And by the way, that yeah, because they beat up uh, Woody's mom throughout this whole thing. You know, talking about like <laughs> I'm gonna have sex with your mom. Uh, so my buddy, uh, my my buddy, my brother Eric. Uh, his one of his best friends, Ray, we would rail on his mom all the time. We play a card game called Screw Your Neighbor. I'm like, can we call it Fuck Ray's Mom? Can we call it that? Can we just well, was, it? was Ray's mom as hot as Woody's mom? No, but it was like Aww. one of those things where we're just like, we're going to beat yeah. up your mom all the time. Of uh, course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to pick someone. And Ray was always, uh, Ray, I, I apologize. I know he's listening. Um, anyway, a group of boys always target somebody's mom. Always. He was the target. And he yep. he lost his shit a few times. But of course. Um, of course. So from there, you cut to Davey's room and he's got clippings all over his wall of like conspiracy theories of, you know, aliens and abductions and all that shit. Um, mom comes in to, to tuck him into bed and he's like, mom, I don't need you tucking into bed, tucking me into bed. And, uh, and then, you know, he talks about how dad's working late. Dad's a cameraman, uh, for a news company, uh, a news station. Um, and then after mom leaves, uh, Davey pops out of bed and he calls his buddies and he's talking about Nikki cause he's spying on Nikki, the next door neighbor. And yeah. he's got the hots for her. And uh, and as Davey's spying on Nikki, which is, again, this reminds me of, like, a little bit of the Explorers and a little bit of Fright Night. Uh, he spy, he checks out the street, and he looks over at Mr. Mackey's. And from there, it cuts to the next day. And it's yeah, like— so so real yeah. quick, I just wanted to say, like, like I, I know Rear Window is the thing, but I'm going to push back and say this is more of an homage to Fright Night— because yes. Mackie turns out to be what he thinks he is, whereas in because in Fright Night he thinks he's a vampire, and he turns out to be a vampire, and thus he has to confront that. I just feel like I just feel like I know what you mean. Like obviously, without Rear Window, we wouldn't have got Fright Night. But then I think this is more of an homage to Fright Night because Mackie turns out to be what he thinks he is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, in Rear Window. He suspects that the guy across the way is a killer, and uh, and the guy is like, "I'm not a killer," you know. He's denying it the whole time, and then he finally does catch him, and then, like that's when everything turns on him. Fright Night would not have happened if it wasn't for Rear Window, and and now this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Fright Night. I totally yeah. agree. Uh, and and again, I think it's a beautiful homage, uh, and it's subtle. Like it, I don't think it's over the over the top. Obviously, obvious nod to fright night because there's no vampires involved but mackie is that creature of he's like i gave you know there's this the potential that he might have left uh davy alone but then we find out that's not the case (laughs) well and and man it's like this movie is all subtleties whereas like in fright night Immediately, you know, Derry Jan Dandridge is the monster. Although, you know, if you listen to our review, we attest that he's actually the hero of the movie. But that's when you start digging deeper. But at the yes. top, you just know right away. Whereas here, you're never 100% sure about Mackie until you're 100% sure about Mackie. And and I think that's what, what you know, uh, is, is a little bit of a difference there, you know? And, well, you and, know, the, and the subtlety comes from 
like every time that they interact, if you like, if you take out the music with from behind Mackie, he just acts like a normal person, right? There's literally nothing sinister about him this entire fucking movie if you take that score away. And whereas, like, I was always waiting for him to do that one, that just, that that shot of him doing a smile, like a sly smile while the camera kind of, you know, it doesn't do anything like that. This movie does no telegraphing other than the music. If you take the music out of this movie... I imagine that that the Mackie turn would be very hard at the end, but the music informs everything in this movie. Totally, totally, and and I think more to your point about um, f- with Fright Night, the reference to Fright Night. If you know Jerry was left alone, maybe he would just be killing people that would you know been considered at the time like the lowest dredges of the earth. Um, and, and, but if, but if you leave Mackie alone, yeah. eventually Davy's going to die. So yeah, no. you know. <laughs> unlike Fright Night, uh, where we, we think Jerry Dandridge is the hero. Mackie is most assuredly not the good yes. guy in this He's movie. The villain. Yes. So from there, next day, Davy's cleaning up the trash outside, uh, his house talking about raccoons knocked over the trash cans and, and his dad is uh, cleaning his cameras. He's getting set up for the day with the news van. Uh, and just some, you know, exposition on, on what's going on and the fact that he's got to clean up this stuff. From there, you cut to the Bananarama song, uh, Cruel Summer, mm-hmm. playing while the kids are riding their bikes. You want to you wanna tell us the reference you picked up on with that moment? Oh, no, no. That's the one I didn't pick up on. That was the Karate Kid reference, right? That was the Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah. You didn't pick up yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah. No, I did. That was the only reference I didn't pick up oh. on on the uh, on the IMDb list of trivia. So I texted Zach uh, before we recorded. On the IMDb list of trivia, I picked up on everything there except for the Karate Kid one before I read the, the trivia thing. So I texted Zach. I was like, I just want you to know offline that I fucking, <laughs> I saw all the things that they said are trivia. I saw them before I read it. But the Karate Kid one was the one I, I did not pick up on. And I believe it's it's playing at the exact same moment in the, the movie that it plays in Karate Kid. I think that's the, I think that's the homage. Yeah, th- that's what I read. Uh, when I yeah. dug a little bit deeper, because I picked up, I'm like, oh, because we all, uh, the three of us when we were watching the movie were like, oh yeah, Cruel Summer, Karate Kid, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's a great song and it's it's very, um, you know, memorable. Yeah, yeah, it's a great little, great little nod to an eighty classic '80s film, in my opinion. Uh, but the yeah, but the, but, crew, but the one thing I I will say that I I picked up on the my first viewing right like right here in the bowling alley that they they kind of go into. Um, I love that they cast fucking kids in this movie. They didn't cast a bunch of 30-year-olds and a bunch of 25-year-olds to fucking play kids. They cast actual fucking kids. And and I don't mean the leads. I mean, like, you know, in the bowling alley and doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. Yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, I want to back up a little bit. The, The bikes that they're riding are so dope. Like the yeah. old school mongoose yeah. BMX bikes, I love those bikes so much. I always I wanted a mongoose, a dude. Yeah. I had yeah. a mongoose. I had a silver mongoose. Uh, I don't know where my mom got it from because it was so rad. But um, yeah, man, just ride roll rolling up in their bikes. And you're right, the casting of the kids, the this like the the, the extras is so great. Um, there's a show on Hulu called 
uh, pen 15 and yeah. where, where the leads yeah. the leads are like 30 years it's all intentional the leads yeah. are like 30 yeah. years old but it takes place in junior high and so everyone else is age appropriate except for them yeah. which is yeah. fucking hilarious by the way i love that show I do too. It's it's hilarious because the two leads are like, yeah, like you said, like thirty seven year old women, and <laughs> and they're hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. Oh, they're so but good. But they're dude. like, but but they're playing like you know thirteen year olds, so they're hitting and they're being attracted to like thirteen year old boys, like in real life. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah. really weird, but it's funny at the same time, you know? Yeah, because it's they super do all kinds of, It's it's a great show. It's a great show. Yeah, they've never uh, they've never, you know, that was all intentional. So. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen that before, and it's such a great, but but such a great, uh, you know, thing that they do. Anyways, that back to the movie and and the cast of the kids in the bowling alley. Yeah, it's so authentic. Bowling alleys have never changed since the dawn of time. So you could shoot a current bowling alley now, and it's still gonna look like it was 1984 all over again. Yeah. It just they've never yeah. changed, which I yeah. love about. Bo- they just closed the bowling alley near us, and like uh, clearly because of COVID and shit, you know. But uh, but it's like, man, I I love bowling alleys, and now it's like you think about sticking your fingers in a dirty ball holes in a ball, and just kind of. <laughs> It's kind of nasty. Anyways, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) So, um, hey, so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I was, I was assuming you were about to bring up uh, the video game reference, and before you do, before you do, um, if you haven't checked out the watch list episode that uh, I did with David Irons, our good buddy David Irons, go check that out. And um, in just a moment, Corey's going to bring up the uh, the the why i brought up the david irons watch list episode uh, Corey, hit me with your best shot yeah dude so first time i'm watching this um our, our gang our boys are hanging out by the arcade machine uh or, there's two arcade machines one is on they're playing and i forgot what it's called but it was a, it was a machine that i recognized and then the other one that's out of order the first time i watched this i was like i don't recognize that at all and it's called polybius something yeah yes. i think it's polybius yep and then today uh because you did the watch list with david irons and you edited it and everything i didn't actually get a chance to hear it so i was listening to it today and david starts talking about this arcade machine in the 80s that just kind of it's kind of like an urban legend it kind of just popped up in in an arcade in portland which in what oregon. which is what kind of put yeah put it all together or uh, oregon yeah oregon so it all kind of put it together for me and it's called polybius and it was like it, made people sick or something there's a there's a whole conspiracy theory to it right and you can go look that up and actually david irons wrote a book uh about it not it's more of like a fiction it's like you know based on it but not you know like a a a real thing you know like more like he's just taking that as an idea but his book's also called polybius and so when i watched it a second time i fucking was like i paused it and i'm like holy fuck (laughs) <laughs> that, like I've never even I, I love conspiracy theories. I'm I'm big into I I love this shit. I've never even heard of that. And yeah. here in in one day I get two references, one from David <laughs> Irons and then this movie, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like you know that synchronicity synchronicity shit right there. But yeah. that right there is a great. I mean that is such a deep cut fucking uh easter egg in this movie that they put this like cons- well it's actually it, it makes perfect sense because davy loves conspiracy theories and it's one of those yeah but it's it's yep. there the fucking polybius is there and it's out of order because the whole thing was like it kind of just disappeared i'm like oh my god like what the f- that's awesome honestly 
that right there on a second viewing elevated it for me. And, but that, that's, it's a very personal experience that I had with this movie, you know? And like, if I didn't listen to the watch list today, like, what if I wish listened to the watch list tomorrow? Never would have picked up on that. It would have been, this would have been a completely other conversation we were having right now. So I, I was tickled pink when I watched it again today by, by seeing <laughs> well, that. I, I'd, I'd be bringing it up and you'd be like, oh, I never even picked up on that or I never yeah, even noticed yeah. that. So now that you did it adds to the radness, the coolness mm-hmm. factor of this movie, in my opinion. And yeah, if you, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to that watch list, listen to it, check out David's book. I actually ordered a copy of it, uh, on, nice. on his Etsy shop because he's got a hardcover, not hardcover, but he's got the, uh, really cool vintage looking old school video game cover, uh, of Polybius. Yeah. And it just, Oh, in, in, in the plot of it's really cool. Listen to the episode. We'll, we'll give it, you know, Let's focus on uh, Summer of '84 here, but still, anyways, great reference. Yeah, the other game was like it was like strange, uh, Space Invaders or some you know kind of it, generic shit like that. Yeah, Whatever. something that we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was real, and I was like, and I dude, I mean, I'm such a video game nerd. I was like, yeah, that's not a real game. Why is that there? And I even like the first time I saw so it, I was cool. like, that's. I was like, why is that there? That's something. I don't know what that is, but uh, but I'm glad they put it in there, man. That is so, so fucking cool. cool. Yeah, so cool. Um, yeah, from there, Davy spots Nikki, his babysitter, and then he's eating dinner with his family. I love this. Cuts to the evening. He's eating dinner with his family in front of the TV with their uh, TV dinner trays, and um, uh, they're talking about the the Bay Fest, the the upcoming, you know, festival, the town festival, and um, and the dad mentions how uh, there's this crummy synthwave band that's gonna play. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that night and I'm like was synthwave called synthwave back then I don't know if it was but I really don't care because I think it's just kind of a funny knock um, and the later when you do see the synthwave band it's really funny that was I, I thought that was a little meta but yes. I gave it a pass I was like so I was like I. yeah no that's that that's I'm fine with that I'm fine with a little tongue-in-cheek <laughs> nod to the uh, to the creators you know yeah yeah, and right after that, uh, it's revealed that Nikki's parents are getting a divorce. Uh, the, I think the mom references it, and the dad makes really, really. Uh, there's a cool quote from the dad. So cool that I actually used it the other day. Um, curtains were invented for a reason, meaning if if the curtains are closed, it's none of our business, kind of thing, you know. And yeah. and, and I yeah. dig that. Like it's true, man. Like we know way too much about each other nowadays, way too much, yeah. and that's our fault and not always necessarily our fault. And right. the eighties were a time when we didn't know everything, you know, we didn't know like actors that we saw on screen. We didn't know their backstory. We didn't know whether they were racist or whether they did horrible things. We just yeah. knew them for their body of work. And, and we liked That's them. That's what we had that. entertainment tonight for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then as things changed and as technology evolved, we started finding out way too much stuff about people. Yeah. And I, you know, like, I wish, look, trust me, I, I do not want to ever support anybody who's a racist or just done terrible things. But, you know, like, there's, there's certain moments in people's careers they probably might want to take back for things they've done or said. And if we never even knew about it, we would probably still hold them in high regard for their body of work, not for right. who they are as a person. And I think it's important to separate the two. Um, that's my soapbox. Anyways, uh <laughs> Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. 
October 31st, 1981. It's the night of the party at Jerry's Arcade. It's the night all the kids have been waiting for. It's the night they have been waiting for. There's a new game at the arcade. It's killer. Polybius. From David Irons, the writer of Nightwaves, the real terror begins. Polybius. Available now from Severed Press. And now, back to the show. Cut to the next scene. It's Davey spying on Nikki. And the phone rings. And uh, Davey goes to answer the phone. And he intercepts basically a phone call from his, to his dad uh, at the news station. And that the, 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 the cape killer who is you know, abducting these kids and killing these kids is on the loose. Or the, uh, the cape may slayer, I think is what they call him. Uh, yeah, the cape, the, the cape Bay Slayer, yeah. Yes, and it's revealed that he's killed 13 boys and two adults. Um, and they're watching the news, and, and the, the, the police chief is calling it a, an active serial killer who's targeting kids the ages 12 to 16. Um, yeah. And at that point, Davey's with his buddies, uh, cuts the, and he's excited. <laughs> he's, like, smiling fucking, you know, from one side to the other side of his face, he's so excited because this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to him his entire life. All his dreams have come true. He loved conspiracy theories. And finally, he's getting to fulfill one of them with a serial killer in town. Like, meanwhile, kids are getting killed and two adults. Yeah, yeah. So from there, you know, Faraday... Um, I love how he says, uh, he's like, I, I see incoming titties at 12 o'clock or something like that as they're spying on Nikki. <laughs> oh, when they were, uh, when they're spying. I loved uh, what Eats said uh, when they're spying on him. Uh, he goes, uh, if I was there right now, she'd be pregnant. I was like, yeah, Eats. <laughs> Dude, Eats, man. I Low-key, like, like uh, Woody's my favorite character, but, like, low-key, Eats is my favorite character. Cause he yeah, Eats just, is great. He's so good. He, he's, he acts a certain way, but... And, and you're like, okay, he's going to be stereotypical, but you find out that he acts that way, you find out why. And it's, yes. you know, the, the usual reason of, of coming from a bad house and all that kind of, or a broken home is, is what makes him sort of, but he, he's never such a fully an asshole, like, he, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you see characters like this and you're like, why are your friends friends with you? But here, yeah. even though Eats does do, say things, you know, that that is a bit crude or whatever, you can see why they like him, because he is loyal to his friends he does like he has his own relationship with faraday and even my wife mentioned it i don't remember where but she was like i love how they also have their own individual relationships together they're not just like the group as a whole but yeah dude each character is so fucking good but eats is fantastic they're not one-dimensional i'd say the only one fairly one-dimensional character is faraday out of out of the four of them he but he's not totally one-dimensional he's got dynamics to him uh, but Eats yeah. is definitely yeah, and yeah, Eats has some great lines. There's a line later on where they get they're digging through the trash and and uh, and he said and one guy says I'm gonna get AIDS doing this. He's like that's the only way you're gonna get AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and, uh, yeah, and when they're digging through the trash later, he's like he goes I loved it. he goes if I find a condom in there. I'm going to be jealous. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he yeah. crushes it. He, he crushes his lines, man. He does he a does. great job. I'm he totally like, yeah, does. <laughs> it's, it feels authentic. So yeah. So uh, if I, I didn't say it earlier, but uh, Davey and his crew are at 
in his house spying on Nikki. And uh, yeah, boob, uh, titties at 12 o'clock. And then suddenly Nikki turns around and looks at them. They all drop down and it's just Davy in the, in plain view. She can of see course. <laughs> Yeah, of course. And um, he's got this shocked look on his face. Cut to the next scene. We're now at the library the next day. Um, and by the way, to, you know, this is pointed out to by my wife and Diallo a little bit, you know, they have their blinds open. They're looking in the, through the blinds and like, come on, we, people can see you. Yeah. Totally understandable. Good point. Uh, it doesn't take away from the, the, the love of this movie. It's true. It's, it's a little silly. But back in the day, there was a naivete. I'd say 15 year old kids don't be thinking about that kind of stuff. You know, like you're just, you're not, you're just not as aware of things, you know, honestly, you know, not that I condone peeping Tom's, but I think Nikki should have been a little bit more, uh, uh, discerning or like close her, you know, her blinds a little bit, but I don't know. I think she kind of, uh, enjoyed it a little bit. We'll see. But yeah, I do. I yeah. did get the, um, it's interesting. Cause you know, you're watching these movies and I'm like, everything, I'm like, everything's a reference. So I'm like, even I'm like the raccoons are a reference to the great outdoors, you know? And I can't, I don't think that's the case, but I'm like, Who I'm knows? like watching Probably this and not. I'm thinking like, is everything a reference? Right. And, uh, yeah. but I definitely got vibes, more vibes of uh monster squad here than, like when they were peeping on her than anything else, basically. Yeah. Monster squad is a great reference. Um, in fact, I take back earlier what I said in regards to Goonies, I would say this is more monster squad than Goonies for sure. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I love monster squad way more than Goonies. I could watch monster squad in a heartbeat over Goonies any day. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill with you, buddy. I will die on that hill defending monster squad over Goonies. Hey, I got nothing against Goonies, but if you said to me, if you said to me, uh, you had two of them in your hand, would you want to watch Goonies or you want to watch monster squad? Nine times out of 10, I will say monster squad. If I say Goonies, it's because we just watched monster squad and it just ended. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what though, too, between the two of them and then both fantasy is both, um, I just find Monster Squad a little more, a little bit more relatable in a weird way. Yeah. Like I feel I like Goonies, um, too fantastic. Goonies was almost a little too fantastic. Yeah, a little to too fan. Yeah, and, and look, I I love it, but but yeah. yeah, Monster Squad all day, every day. So all, all day, every day, baby. All day, every day. So yeah, cut back to the library. Um, you know, Davy's popping a boner over the fact that there's a killer in town and that's <laughs> twisted. It's definitely Fox Mulder. It's like, this is like of young course. Fox Mulder. Um, of course. Which, uh, side, side note. I love Faraday's shirt in this scene. Oh dude. Faraday has some of the best costume choices by, by, <laughs> it does. uh, he's wearing like these, like, uh, polyester blouse shirts that they probably dug up at a thrift store. Uh, it's got some crazy ass print on it though. <laughs> yeah, it's so good, dude. <laughs> so good. And yeah. And then, you know, each shows up with his bad religion shirt. And for a minute it took me away because contextually, I didn't know that bad religion was, a, had been around that long. I'm not the biggest, I dig their music, but I was never a big bad religion fan. I'm, um, I'm sure I'm not a big, I'm not a bad religion guy. So yeah. you're, 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 you're kind of speaking to the void here with me. I'm just glossing over my eyes. a little. Yeah. Bit. Like 84. What was I listening to? Wasn't bad religion. Uh, but no. I was listening to a lot of other cool shit. Anyways, uh, from there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're looking at the microfiche about the serial killer. Um, and, <laughs> and I love how slowly Faraday's looking at it. And I was like watching, I was like, 
is this for real? And then when Davey, you know, kind of blows up at him, I was like, that's funny. That was good. Because I just was like, is, is, are they really trying to sell this? Like, what, what are they <laughs> yeah. doing here? But I know, they it know was really fucking thing? good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that they, 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 they have to find these microfiche, uh, you know, devices somewhere. Like, where I would love to know where they found these these old school library you know, equipment because uh, I, I want a microfiche for my house. I think it would be badass. Of course. <laughs> of course. And, and of course, on second viewing, you, you put the pieces together a little bit more when you're when you're seeing the, the faces and everything, you know, comparing yes. them to the what's on the wall and whatnot. It, man, again, this is one of those movies where I think it's even better a second time. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, cut to later that night. Kids are out playing Manhunt again. And, um, and it's revealed that one of their buddies, this kid named Sammy is missing, uh, and, and, and his crew, they can't play if he's not there. So they'll have to abandon manhunt if he's not there. They go to Sammy's house to find out where he is. Uh, no one's home and they're just kind of speculating where he, where he might be. Like, is he out of town? Are they on a camping trip? Whatever. Uh, and they can't play manhunt. And cut to the next day. And uh, yeah, this is another thing too. Davey's making a PB&J sandwich and we were like, oh my God, white bread, PB&J. So good. The weakest PB&J sandwich I have ever seen. Layer that shit on one, one little dollop, like like just one tiny dollop of peanut butter. I'm like, no kidding, man. No wonder you're so skinny. But my wife, that talk about what what takes you out of the movie. My wife goes, a 15 year old boy eating that little bit like of of food and and milk. She's like, no, no, no. He would have destroyed the entire kitchen. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he would have. You know, I used to put butter on my PB&J sandwich first. I put butter on it, then I put mm. peanut butter on it, then I put jelly on it. That shit was so good. Mm. I had a PB&J uh, for lunch this afternoon. I love a good PB&J, man. <laughs> are you uh, are you crunchy or creamy peanut butter? I was creamy back in the day, but I've I, I, I'm I'm in my old age now. I'm into I'm into crunch. I'm into the crunchy. So. <laughs> crunchy all day or day, baby. I've been crunchy from birth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. So cuts to the PB and J. Davy's making a PB and J, and he's his. Uh, oh, he finds a note on the fridge saying his his uh, parents are both working late, so they're out, and. He's looking at he's drinking milk and he's looking at the milk carton and he sees the kid on the milk carton. It's Dusty Dewitt, uh, who was the kid at Maggie's house. Dun dun dun. He's in a treehouse. <laughs> the ginger. Yes, the ginger. <laughs> yes. They cut to the treehouse. Uh, he's with his crew. Davy's convinced that Mackie's the killer. They're like making a chart on the wall as to all the ideas, kind of conspiracy theory reasons why he is uh and they're like well mackie's a cop he can't be a he can't be a killer he goes to the hardware store and he buys dirt all the time he oh well that once a week that's a little sus- suspect right uh davy wants evidence and they want he wants to perform a stakeout and uh they cue the montage of i like uh, this is kind of like a semi-montage scene yeah, and in my um, because I break you know on the notes I break them down sort of by scene, but uh, I have to kind of give the scene like a, a title, and this one is Operation Mac Attack. 
and Operation i love it the the music is fantastic the voiceover yeah. as i said earlier i love me some voiceover all the time i don't know why i just do uh it's comforting for some reason um but uh again the movie still has this light-hearted feel to it at this point man which is really just gonna layer on the third act uh switch you know the yes. uh, tonal tonal shift that happens later is is this is all helps to make that so striking later yes and and yeah it's it's a nice lull it's a nice calm before the storm because it feels like it's got that monster squad vibe where they're yeah they're getting their weapons together their their bodies are piling up but there's you know there's they're investigating what's going on in maggie's house and they're revealing his schedule. Right now, there's no right now there's no danger to any of my main characters that I love so so much. All of them will survive this movie. A okay, intact. Ugh. It's all gonna be good. Mackie's not even gonna be a killer. It's all gonna be a misunderstanding. It's all right? gonna be misunderstanding. But why? Why is my gut reminded of Pet Cemetery too? But why? <laughs> I don't know. You love your pet cemetery. We would love to hate, I guess. Um, so so now we're back at the treehouse after the kind of uh, stakeout, so to speak. And Faraday and Eats are debating Care Bears versus Gremlins, which is kind of funny. And it's done in a really short way. Like, it's just a quick soundbite. No, what long... are you talking about, Care Bears? You fucking crazy? They were debating Ewoks versus Gremlins. God <laughs> damn, Care Bears. I have, I have, I'm going to put you on this, the spit for that one, buddy. No, Care Bears, my God, fuck you. Ewoks, they're talking about Return of the Jedi, motherfucker. Whatever, Ew- Ewoks, Care Bears, come see, come saw. They're no Gremlins. Yeah, my bad. I apologize. I apologize. Because I, I, I think, no, you know what it was? Because uh, they were, Eats was saying they were like Care Bears. Yeah. Or, That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I so know, I, I know, I know, yeah. but still, God damn it. God how dare, damn it. How, da- how dare I? How dare how I? How dare you? I said good day, sir. First of all, also personally, you can't compare the two. One's a monster and one's like a uh, liberating cool. fighter. Well, that's not that's not the, the the point. The point is that every kid back in '84 had that fucking conversation, and that's what's awesome about it. That's what's great about yes. it. Yes, and, and, and it's it's, it's yeah. and it, here's the thing: it's like yes, in, especially after just you know reviewing Mallrats. Yes, Kevin Smith. Like yes, uh, um, Summer of '84 is not the first person, you know, not the first movie to have this conversation. It's you know Kevin Smith with Clerks and everything, but this works perfectly because it's a conversation that would absolutely have happened to these kids in 1984 because they've all, they all watched, they all went and saw guarantee you because they're the perfect age. They all went and saw star Wars. They all went and saw empire strikes back. And then they all went and saw return of the Jedi and they all have things to say about fucking Ewoks. Oh yeah. But it's great. It's, it's awesome. And it never felt like derivative or anything, you know? No. And it felt, yeah, you're right. It felt authentic. It didn't feel cliche. Uh, and they didn't do it for a very long time. I feel like it's, yeah. sometimes they just go on and on. And you're like, wait, is this movie about showing off how fucking rad we are about what we know about the 80s? Or like, this is just a short little moment. You right. Know? And, and, and it, that's Kevin Smith. Like Kevin Smith likes to show off what he knows. Whereas yes. this, it's just in there for a few seconds just to kind of give you just a, a little thing. And it, because it's I, I love when scenes start when the characters are in the middle of a conversation, you know, and it's, totally. and it's one of those scenarios. 
I agree. I agree. And, um, and, and yeah, because what's going on right now is they're in the middle of a stakeout. And while they're in the middle of the stakeout, they finally spot Mackie and he puts something in their trash and they're and they decide that they have to sneak into his house. They have to sneak over to his house and look in his trash. And because they've gotten his schedule down to a T and and through that montage, we know when he's doing what they're going to um, go to his house at 11 when he goes running, goes running at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> with his bright white legs his yes. legs are so white and those yes. shorts are so short i'm assuming he just wears pants all the time except for at nighttime mm-hmm. when the sun's not out mm-hmm. so there you go so cut to mackie's house at night and uh they're searching through his trash and that's when the funny line is like oh, i'm gonna get aids he's like well, that's the only way you would get aids um yeah and, and it's actually pretty cool because uh woody says um mackie could have a lair somewhere and you again, you rewatch it, and dude, they're they are correct about pretty much everything, and and that's what's really fucking cool. Just little things like when Woody says, like he may have a lair somewhere, and it turns into a joke for Eats, where he's like, oh yeah, he's like Cobra Commander, but like you realize, oh no, he does have a lair. That's what's fucking crazy. They are correct about everything, even yeah. their little throwaway comments. They are correct. Yeah, I think this this reminded me of my childhood a little bit because I think when you take a traumatic moment in your life and you get through it, you end up almost embracing it in a weird way. So in many ways, I embraced the the people that, um, you know, potentially preyed upon me as a kid. And like I was fascinated with people who kidnap people or serial killers and all that depravity shit. I was just fascinated by it. I'm like, what goes through people's brains, you know? And, um, and to know that this shit goes on. Yeah. In the suburbs, not just in the sticks, like Ed Gein did in Wisconsin, you know, like, but it was everywhere. And your next door neighbor could have this layer in his house and, you know, or her house and you don't even know what's going on. So Yeah. They 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 go through his trash nothing. Uh, they go through his mail nothing, and then Woody reveals the lair comment, and then he says to Davy as they're wrapping up and they're split because they're like, "Are we gonna clean this up?" And Davy's like, "No, like raccoons knock shit over all the time. You know, it's he's not even gonna care. He's not even gonna notice." Um, that's when Woody re- asks Davy if he can spend the night at his house, and that is the first moment you get like a, a, a depth to one of the supporting friends, where you go, "Wait yeah. a minute." Well, why is why is he asking? And that is the step away from the typical movies like this, where you're like, oh, yeah, there were kids that had really broken homes back then, and it wasn't all just like, oh, cue the Cindy Lauper song, you know. Um, well, ha- it, half the kids on this team ha- have have broken homes. Eats, yeah. and Woody both. Eats so and Woody. That's fifty percent. Yeah. Yep. And so we cut to Woody's house, and his mom is, uh, you know drunk and looks either you know clinically depressed crying on the on the sofa and um woody like basically checks on her puts a blanket on her and kisses her and it's so heartbreaking dude because it's just yeah. like this this guy is such a gentle giant woody uh is is this you know they even make a joke they either did it prior to this or after but he's he's like six foot. He looks like he's six feet tall. He's the tallest in the group. He looks like he's ten years older than all of them. But they they joke about that. They're like, you know, uh, the fact that he looks like he's thirty five or whatever. But he's a, still the kid. And there were yeah. kids that did look like that. You know, I've known kids yeah. like that. I'm sure you did too. There, you just you feel bad because 
they can't control their body. They can't control how they look or, you know, what's going on. And you, you feel like they look in the mirror at themselves and they're like, why, why do I, why do I have to look like this when I, you know, like that yeah. sucks, dude. Like, and I, I don't know. My heart just bled for his character because, um, it's just so authentic. You, you, you're preaching to the choir, buddy. I, he, I loved him. I loved Woody, and just what happens to him is the reason I can't watch this movie that often is yeah. because it just it hurt too much, you know. And uh, you know, it's just, uh, but uh, but it's also what's going to make the movie stand out and and have a longer shelf life, and memorable. Um, yeah. But and be more memorable. But at the same time, I didn't want it to happen, and because of it, it just left me so feeling so bad in my stomach that I, I just I won't watch this movie a lot, sadly. But that's it's like I said earlier, that is not an indication that the movie's bad. If anything, it's actually an indication that the movie's exceptional because it made me feel. Um, but I fucking love Woody in this movie so so much. So good. Um, but but bring it back to the scene. Do you think she looks? a little young do you think she was like a young mom maybe yes. like like she yeah like she had Woody when she was mom. probably like 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 15 or 16 or something because she yeah, looks a little too young yeah she got knocked up probably that's my assumption and she's like yeah. you know uh like a nurse at the local hospital and 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 he, and yeah and, and and instead of going over woody's house well we find out later that he didn't he stayed with his mom um, okay. because, can, can can I notice something real quick? Yeah, I, I love how Mackie and Woody's mom, both single, both having jobs that don't necessarily are not known for paying like a lot of money, at, at least not until you get like later in life with that career, yeah. uh, nursing and cops. And because it's the 80s, they both have single family houses on yes. one income on one income. Yep. Not going to happen nowadays. Not going to happen sure. <laughs> moving forward. <No>. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> life oh life so yeah oh, no life. so from here we're we we cut back to uh davy's house doorbell rings oh can i it's... can i pause you real quick can i pause yeah. you real quick so davy is reading a hardy's hardy boys yes. novel and i wondered if it had anything to do with the movie um but it it's it, i i looked it up i i googled the the novel and this that particular one is about car theft so I was like, oh. okay, I don't think that it does. And I'm I'm only mentioning it because we all know that everything you put into a movie has a reason, you know. So I feel like they, yeah. they focused on that for something. I almost wonder if in that story there is some sort of reference that they are referencing. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. But uh, it's called uh, the Shore Road Mystery is is what he's reading. Interesting. So, uh, I know that this was this is kind of a non conversation that I'm having, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is I think that there's something there. I just couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, and to be honest with you, uh, I don't find myself cracking open an old school Hardy Boy no. mystery book anytime soon. No. However, I do know at that time they were very popular, and I do kn- did know a lot of kids that had those books on their shelf. That was like the the magic treehouse of its time for for teens, teen boys, just like uh, Nancy Drew was for girls. Um, old school mysteries. Yeah. So yeah, that that's authentic. It feels good to me. And or, and so, or yeah. they were just making the reference that these kids are the Hardy Boys, right? Like that could have yeah. just. I think I might have been looking too much into the the specific title of that book. I think it's probably just a reference to these kids being the Hardy Boys. But and then you know, uh, and then the whole thing being like, what would really happen to the Hardy Boys if they encountered you know in real life? Because this movie is it's all these tropes. They 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 throw all these tropes into the the 
hat. They do a bunch of different tropes. But the the one consistent thing they, they do is they say, what would be the realistic outcome of this trope, right? Totally. Even though it's 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 something that's cliche at this point. Uh, uh, even the music even the music informs us sometimes that it's cliche. But then the outcome of what they're doing always leans towards what would really happen versus what what a movie tells us to happen. What was supposed to happen, you know? Yeah, no, dude. I I think it's I think it's great. I think it. Yeah, it's like it's not a fantasy anymore. What's the reality? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of fantasy and reality, uh, <clears throat> the doorbell rings at Davy's house and Davy goes down to answer it and thinking it's Woody and it's Nikki. And mm. she walks in and he's and she's looking around. She kind of just barges herself in and uh, which is funny. She goes to the fridge and she gets like I think it's a crush soda, which back in the day, crush soda was so damn good. Um, and she's like, oh, parents aren't home. And. And then she walks up to Davy's room and uh, they get into Davy's room and Davy's like, uh, I've never seen you naked. Like he <laughs> immediately just flats out say, says that. And she's like, too bad. I've got a great body, which is really yeah. funny. I think it's a really funny line. And, and I loved how he just blurted that out. Like I felt like that was so realistic. And out of all the realistic stuff in this movie, the only thing I thought was not as realistic is Nikki. But I don't know, man. Like I, I, I look at all the other guys. I'm a guy so I can put myself in their shoes. I don't know. She could be realistically written for all I know. I'm not a girl. And, and I'll say that my, my wife didn't have like any kind of problem. Like she didn't say, Oh, this is unrealistic or anything. I, you know, I just felt like it was a little, a little bit with, with her character. It becomes a little bit of a, of a male fantasy, you know, or, or a boy fantasy. It's, it's but every the movie boy's tries dream. so hard to, it is, it's like every boy's dream, but the movie tries so hard to be realistic, you know? And, yeah. and, and I feel like, Although ultimately, I think she becomes a more rounded character. Right now, my thought was like, eh, this feels a little bit forced, a little bit cliche. But I do think she becomes a more rounded character while the movie goes along. Well, I think, and in, in even down to the music, the music is very reminiscent of Risky Business at this point when she comes in the house and and it just reminds me of that. And it is like, a, I feel like it is a kind of a tongue in cheek moment of like, this would never really go down this way, but let's have a little bit of fun with it. Right. Um, and I think it's, and, and, and I think Nikki, it it's Nikki's very confident and she's cool and she's cocky, but she's not a jerk. She's not a Heather, yeah. you know, which no. is cool. Uh, and then like, she's moving in on Davey and, and I don't, and she's kind of like, as she's moving in on him, you get the sense that you get the sense that, okay, she's just fucking with him or maybe she's not. Maybe she does kind of like him, you know, we'll, we'll find out later. But then that's yeah. when the mom comes home and she splits and Davey's like, yeah, oh, out, the, you know. out the window she goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from there you see this random kid come walking home at night. And did you notice that when it cuts to this random kid walking home at night, uh, the first shot is a blood moon. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, like right away, Blood Moon. I was like, God, these guys are great. Like, I love that. I love that nice little, you know, someone's going to die tonight, basically. It's it's a yeah. Blood Moon. You yeah. Know? I, oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, this, uh, okay, so, yeah, it's clear what's going to happen to this kid. Something bad is going to happen. He sees someone, uh, in you know, nearby and freaks out and starts running, starts taking off. And uh, he runs down the street. You know, he does the cliche thing where he runs down the street and then he just stops 
which you just never yeah. do. You don't fucking yeah. stop running until you get home. Uh, even if you get winded, <laughs> you don't stop running until you get home. None of us. We've all been in situations where we've had to run or split from something, whether it's a bully or whether it's just something weird or bad, and you never stop running to check out what's going on. But he does, right. and it okay. is what it is. The, the, the killer grabs him, and a car drives off. Okay, so... What I loved about this scene was that I'm watching it, and for some reason, for in my head, you know, uh, so all right, so the kid's walking, and all of a sudden he hears someone running. That's what makes him run, because he hears someone running at him. You don't see the person, you just hear them running, and what it made me realize was that th- that is so much scarier than having a killer like Jason or Michael Myers or whatever walk at you. And I feel like it was such done on purpose. And 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 I was like I was like, "Oh my god." Like the, just because the idea that someone is running at you is so fucking terrifying. Especially yes. in, of course it's being it's being sold by by the actor who's playing the kid. He's doing a good job of like looking sort of at the camera over the camera but being scared you know um but man i I don't know i just i love the fact the sound of someone running at the person like once you put it together that they're running at the person that was so fucking scary yeah that it almost that it makes me realize that like the whole like thing that jason and michael myers does with the whole walking thing honestly running is scarier because it shows that that person really fucking wants you you know like that's that's fucking terrifying but then going back to i almost chuckle now because you've seen um uh behind the mask the the leslie vernon story right Mm -hmm. yeah how he talks about how you have to how you have to keep your cardio up you're right you have to have your cardio up and then i think that oh my god that's why mackie is running every night because he is training to be a (laughs) serial killer kind of like uh leslie vernon which is yeah like i said a great movie behind the mask fan fucking tastic movie but i didn't put it together until just this second i love the fact that essentially mackie's not running to be in hell like like for for health he's mackie's running at night to keep his like killer uh, abilities up essentially he's he's got to keep his killer bod up he does his killer dad bod he's got his killer total dad, dad bod. bod he's got a dad bod yeah yeah he doesn't look like a runner to me but whatever um i know plenty of people who run and they don't look like they're in shape but that's neither here nor there uh but yeah no dude you're right the 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 idea that someone running after you is terrifying someone walking yeah. after you and always being able to that that I think that was the shift for me as I got older, when when Freddie and Michael and Jason uh, stopped becoming terrifying to me was when horror films were coming out that, where the killer was moving around a lot faster. I'm like that feels more authentic to me. Even Leatherface yeah. in a way. Leatherface would like run after you and yeah. you know chase you. And that's scary. That's terrifying dude. That's really fucking yeah. Oh my God. And so yeah, and, and, and I get that like Jason and Michael and and, and uh Freddie are supernatural forces. You know, they're not they're not like real people in a sense they're these entities right uh leatherface was a real dude just wore a skin mask you know so that yeah that shit being chased in that way where maybe the guy's faster than you the guy is going to be faster than you and what do you do and you're screwed oh yeah dude it's yeah terrifying so yeah i agree that scene is a great scene and um next day 
Uh, Mackie's getting in his squad car and he's driving off and Woody is driving his mom's car and he's freaking out because he's got everybody in the car with him, his crew, uh, Davey and, and, and Eats and Faraday. And he's panicking because he doesn't even have his driver's license yet. And this is when Eats says, you know, you, well, you look like you're 30 anyways, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, which I, that, that is great. so great, that dude. Great. It's so great because it answers that question of like, why did you cast this guy? He doesn't look like a teenager. Actually, but probably age proximity wise, he's pretty young. Yeah. But again, yeah, he, pro- he probably is. I mean, like you said earlier, we all knew kids like that in, in high school, man. And yeah. he's he's 15. And yeah, dude. Yeah. And I love the way he eats. It's just it's great. And it's I mean, again, as as you know, eats never becomes annoying like eats never like like he never crosses a line when he's like like you know jabbing at his friends you know that's what that's what's that's what's the great writing in this movie that this movie is all about characters and it does a fantastic job with each and every one of them agreed agreed and and so they're in the car and they're giving each other you know it's just kind of back and forth banter and it's it's important banter though because uh you know woody's revealing that he never came over to davies that night and then davies like well you're never going to believe who came over to my house and he says nikki did and they don't believe him which is funny um and then they're following mackie to the hardware store where matt where mackie's getting tools and dirt loaded into his car um the dude who's loading the dirt into the car is kind of like the local town stud and that's important because they think that that's who nikki's interested in uh they even kind of allude to that they're like you know uh that's nikki wants to wants to date that guy or something to that effect. well that's that's eats brother that's eats older brother oh yeah 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 so you know and that's that's who she wants but you know we later find out that's not the case no. um <laughs> So the uh, Mackie gets in the car, drives off. Woody follows. They almost hit a car, and Woody's freaking out. Uh, and then they see a cop car that pulls them over, and they don't show the cop right away. So you start thinking it's got to be Mackie, right? And it turns out it's another cop, uh, Officer yeah. Cole. And Cole knows Woody, and he's you know he's like, look, you guys, you guys got to go home. He's being really yeah. cool with them. He's like, I could bring you in, you know, I could arrest you and give you tickets or whatever. He's like, but there's missing kids on the street and you guys need to get home, especially, uh, the, especially because they might even cancel the Bay festival. Yeah. And I love how he looks in the back seat and he's like, ah, Mr. Eaton. Cause he eats, um, eats is his nickname. Cause I think his yes. last name is, is Eaton. And, uh, <laughs> and eats is like, ah, officer Cole, we meet again. And they just, that's it. That's their little exchange. That's all there is. And honestly, this scene is the only time, uh, officer Cole or Coleman or whatever it is, is in it. But again, this fucking scene is fan fucking tastic because yeah. it's just, Oh God, I love it so much. I, I love Officer Cole or Coleman, whatever whatever it was. I love his relationship. I love that like we don't get any more of it, but we have a sense that there is more to it. That's what I love about it. Yeah, me too. It, it, there's there's again, like you said, and I said as well, depth of these characters that there's a backstory that I want to know the backstory. Now I want to see the too. prequel when they were all alive. I, so. Yeah. <laughs> Going on other wacky adventures. Um, so from there, you go home. Uh, you cut to Davy spying on Mackie. And then Nikki's at his window again. And that's when I think Diallo's like, oh, this is every teenage boy's dream or something like that. And uh, and so now they're Nikki and Davy are hanging out. 
and Nikki's telling Davey about his parents getting divorced or her parents getting a divorce. Um, they're each revealing secrets to each other, personal stuff. And, and then he tells Nikki that he thinks Mackie's the slayer. And she's like, he's not, you know, you gotta stop doing this. He's a cop. This is dangerous. Uh, and then, and then she basically says, you know, I like you. And that's why I want you to stop cuts to the next scene where it's the next day and Mackie there's kids playing in the cul-de-sac of the <laughs> subdivision. So, and, um, Mackie's watching the kids play on his lawn. Then he calls the kids over to get like, uh, otter pops or, you know, whatever the, whatever he calls them, uh, freezy pops. And he's looks so creepy. He's just, you know, like stalking yeah. them basically. And, and, and so not the entire movie, this is the only time that you ever get that shot where the camera lingers on Mackie for yeah. like too long and then you see like the evil in his in his face and I feel like every other movie of this ilk they would have t- telegraphed that a million times by now but between the beginning of the movie and that final third act um this is the only time that you get any kind of other than music, any kind of visual indication that something might not be right with Mackie. Because you can say the whole padlock thing on the door in the basement, that's not confirmation. Not Nothing so far has been confirmation. No. He's been nothing but super sweet and super nice. Uh, this, and then later with the binoculars and, and the, the, the walkie-talkie uh, on the window, um, are like the only two times that you really get sort of the reinforcement that uh that Mackie is 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 the bad guy uh this one is for the viewers um because no one else but the viewers sees it whereas the other one is for Davey I feel like almost as if this scene was added just for the purpose of informing the viewer because I wouldn't be surprised if they watched a cut of this film and they were like oh man without the music you know because there wouldn't be a score for it on a on a work cut there wouldn't they would you know they score the 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 musicians uh, would score this movie after it was cut together and everything I wouldn't be surprised if they watched a cut of this film and like it just the, the turn was too hard I feel like they might they were like we need to have something in there to inform the viewer that he is the bad guy and I feel like this scene was was just in there for that specific purpose I could see that that's a really good point um, that's a really good point I, I I think up until this point too like you said, uh, and, and I think the first time I watched this in my brain, I was going, he, I bet he's not the killer. I bet you it could be Nikki, the next door neighbor. And there's a reason why she's leaving town and it's not because oh, you thought it was worse. Nikki that I mean, like, I'm like, potentially because she seems older, she's older and you never know. Like I thought, is this going to be that movie that turns it on a twist? Where's the twist? Yeah. What I like about it and what I appreciate about it more second time around knowing all of the, the the truth about this film and the facts is the fact that it is him is the fact that yeah. all along Davy's correct it's it's more about you know uh, people being in denial about that next door neighbor and thinking oh that there's nothing wrong with that person you know he's such a nice guy and oftentimes like um you know, I just appreciate that they didn't that they went this route. Yeah, that they stuck true to the person that they've alluded to the entire time. Yes, yes, I I'm with you a hundred percent. At one point, I was like, 
is it really going to be Mackie? But but I I love the fact that the kids were right the entire time. I love the fact that there is no red herring. It's no. just it is Mackie. It's no. just they aren't doing any of the tropes that we normally, you know, would normally see ex- until this scene comes. Until this scene comes is the only time we get this really, like really trope up until now, but it doesn't even get used that much even later. So you don't get a lot of reinforcement that Mackie is the bad guy other than the kids. And I think maybe they want us to feel like the adults in the movie of not believing the kids, even though the entire time they are correct. Yeah. And it proves that, you know, parents are dipshits and, uh, and, and you should listen to your kids more often. I, I, I so I, I listen to a lot of paranormal podcasts and there is a, you know, a theme of, you know, people talking about their stories and being like, yeah, when I was a kid, I saw X, Y, Z, but my parents didn't believe me. Um, I tell, I tell my wife all the time. I was like, if our kid ever says they see something, yeah, we got to believe them. Like, let's believe them. You know, let's not be the parents that don't believe our kid. Well, yeah, I, I you know, I have a wife that fully believes in all of that shit. So yeah, uh, I don't think my I don't think Bodie will ever have a problem if he says he saw something. His mom's gonna be yeah. like, okay, well let's let's I believe you. <laughs> and yeah, and then same same as Myra, you know, she's <laughs> she she believes in all that kind of stuff too. That's so, and so our do generation, I, so. dudes, our generation. Yeah. Um, yes, and and so from there, getting back to the movie, uh, we cut back to the treehouse, and I love that it goes it goes back to the treehouse because let's be honest, that's where they that's where they hang, yes. that's where kids did hang. They hanged at that place yep. that was comfortable. I always hung out at the, the certain comic book shop all the time, and it's like yeah. you go back to that same place. You don't have to have a lot of places to film in because kids, some kids didn't go all over the place. They stayed to that one thing that they were comfortable with so they're back at the treehouse faraday has a bottle of fireball it's fire some sort of whiskey i think it's fireball um, are you kidding me what was it what was it firebird or something no it's fucking mccready's whiskey it's a reference to to the thing it oh. says mccree it says mccready's whiskey like like uh, apostrophe s whiskey oh, Jesus. and i'm like I saw it like right. I was like, "How?" I know Zach's gonna gonna notice this one, but uh, but dude, no man, right away. Like I saw, I was like, "Oh, McCready's whiskey." Okay, okay, yep, got it, <laughs> got it. <laughs> That's badass because I didn't look. I didn't look too close at the label. I'm like, "Oh, it's a bottle of whiskey or Fireball yeah. or something." That is, that and is it's so uh, cool. and they mention it in the um the IMDb trivia. But I would just like to say for the record that I noticed it on my first viewing before I before I saw the IMDb trivia. But yeah, yeah dude, that was uh, that's McCready's whiskey is what it's called. Oh, it's so badass. That I mean, that again, the the, the love and it just adds more to the love of of the eighties. Right. In a, yeah. in a very cool way, like a subtle yeah, way, yeah. you know? No, no, that's part. That's part, I mean, that is like a, that's a deep cut reference. Like if you're going to reference the thing, that's a deep cut one, you know? Um, yeah. but w- what I loved about the scene is when they're all passing it around again, eats, I love eats. I no, love eats how is great. His expression he's is great. like, he's like, Oh, Oh, you guys are pushy pussies or whatever. And then he takes his hit, you know, after everyone takes their hit and it's all like, Oh, you know, he takes his hit and he does such a great subtle, like, like you can tell that it, it hits him like, like the, the character, like you can tell, and he kind of like does that like one eye blink, you know, yeah. sort of thing. It's great. And, and he's like, so tell me about Nikki, you know, but I, I love it how he's like acting all tough and you can just tell that it hits him just, just as hard as everyone else. But he, you know, he composes himself. Yeah. I love that. And there, and there is always one guy in the group that is kind of the coolest one in the group. You know, there's always, it's always going to be right. that way. And he's the one. But, but who, I, I love that. I love that they gave him that vulnerable, like the actor was good enough 
to pull off that subtle oh, it's so vulnerability, subtle. Yeah. you know, like like when he took the hit, which is like, oh, you know. Yeah, agreed. It's it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah, just that it's it's a it's a two second moment, but it's priceless. It's definitely yep. one best moment in that in that scene, and yeah. that's when yeah, um, Davey reveals that he has this connection with Nikki, and and you know, uh, they're like, oh bullshit, basically, you know, just blowing it off again. And and then they get back to talking about Mackie and Faraday's like, well, we've been on him for weeks and we've got nothing, you know, and but Davey's still convinced that Mackie is a killer. So from there, they go to Sammy's oh, house. Hey, sorry, sorry. Uh, multiple times in this movie, there are references to how much time has passed. And I liked that. I yes, liked me too. Um, um, you think that in between a scene, maybe only as a day has passed, but they will. They'll say like it's been like a couple weeks or a month, you know, whatever. But I'm like, okay, cool. You do they, they do a great job of giving you time jumps without uh, actually, you know, putting title cards on essentially. Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's great. It's it's not over the head, over the like, you know, hit. It doesn't over beat your it over head. your head about it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So from there, they go to Sammy's house, and still no one's around but the door is unlocked which is very suspect and they they start walking in and i think it's woody who says he's like i got a bad yes. feeling about this and you're like oh and you know what that reference is right yeah oh yeah totally mm-hmm. i got a bad feeling about this star is wars a, baby yeah 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 but then i'm also uh, thinking like yeah you, he's the one that says that Yes, and that's that was my note uh, because, which is which is nice that I you know taking notes the second time I watch it versus the first time I watch it I know what to look for. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's a because the first time I watched it, I was like, I, I hit Myra and I was like, oh, that's a that's a Star Wars reference. That's great. Second time I watch it, I'm like, oh, Woody's the one that says it. That's foreshadowing right there. Big time foreshadowing, unfortunately. Um, but this. Don't don't worry. This scene's not that bad. So they go into the house and 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 they're saying that it smells and there's trash everywhere and the phone rings in their house and then Nikki scares the shit out of them. Pops up. They all shock each other and then she says she's there to take care of their cat. Uh, they're at the lake house all summer, or they're they're at the lake all summer, and uh, and the reason why. You know, the cats got into the trash or something like that. They knocked yeah. over the food. or That's why – that's what's going on. Uh, and and, and then their car – the reason the family's car was there because they rented an RV, which, which I think Faraday said earlier. So when you watch the movie a second time, again, even when the kids are guessing, they are 100% correct all the time. And that time. is – I mean, I mean, that's on purpose, right? I mean, the writers are doing that on purpose. But everything the kids say, even when they're just speculating about something, it is correct every time. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I love that, and and I love the scene because, um, you know, Nikki is smiling at Davy and like flirting with him, and then she takes off, and then they just they all hug Davy. Because they realize at that moment it's true. It's like that she does like him, and he wasn't wasn't lying about it. But it's such a great yeah. moment. We're like, yeah, yeah. 
Because even Eats was like, wait, what's going on? Are you guys hooking up? Like, And then when she leaves, like they all kind of hug. But then she's like in the next room and she can hear them. And so she kind of smiles. Yeah, you know? I love so, that. I love, and I love that she's off camera doing that. Because in a way, it's like she knows she's hot. And, yeah. and and she's giving this kid like this this fun experience, I guess, you know, I don't know. But she also likes him, too, in a weird way. Yeah. And also knowing that like her summer is getting t- turned upside down by her parents getting a divorce. She's just looking to do anything to kind of take her mind off of that situation. I, I yeah. think so much of this writing is is so, I think, honest and and, you know, true, you know, to, yeah, to totally these characters agree. and to, to people their age. Totally agree. Um, so now we cut to Davies the next day, and he grabs his G.I. Joe walkie-talkies, which I totally had back in the day. And did you notice the action figure sitting next to the walkie-talkies? I did. It was very subtle again, but that's a Turbo Kid action figure. That, that is. They, that <laughs> They did a Kickstarter. It was either Kickstarter, um, but they – I forget when turbo kid first came out, man, I wish I would have jumped on that. They had so much cool promotional items. They made VHS clamshell boxes, um, that you can't find anywhere now. And, uh, they made like the legit VHS tape. They had the action figures. They had super cool retro t-shirts. Now you, you find them and they're like, it's kind of a generic looking shirt, but yeah, the promotion for turbo kid back in the day was so cool. I love all those cool, um, the, the, the people that make fun action figures now based on stuff, you know, like, yeah, yeah. hand the, the, you know, the homemade action figures and shit like that. Uh, but yeah, it, he's the little action figure in the, in the, in the basket with the next to the GI Joe walkies, which again, was <laughs> hey, like but, super authentic. Yeah. But, but, but back to the GI Joe walkies, I, I mean, those are real, and I had those, and I yeah, love the too. fact that they talk about, like, uh, uh, the fact that they had to upgrade them because they suck so bad, because, yes, they did suck so bad. They did suck. They were more of a, just, you know, um, a, a prop than anything else. You didn't really yeah. use them. Yeah. They didn't work that well. I think the range no, was like it, 10 feet. <laughs> yeah, it, it was It was like, it was kind of like, you know, getting the little, the little compass, the little plastic um rambo knife you know yeah. it was just it was just a damn prop is all it was those toys sucked so bad dude like the, they, they, they was such a money grabbing scheme yeah for those companies and and it's such they preyed upon kids because that shit sucked like come on make it good just make it good don't yeah. go the but whatever anyways that's enough that's for another podcast 10 worst the yeah. five worst toys ever made that you really loved um <laughs> So, yeah, so Davey calls for everyone to play Manhunt. Manhunt is taking place later that night. Uh, they go to Mackie's house where while they're playing Manhunt, this is a great scene because um, yeah. they, while they're – so he organizes his the guys to watch Mackie while uh, he's on top of Woody's shoulders up like Mackie's second floor putting in the walkie-talkie in like the, the, the ivy or something near the second yeah. floor window. And he's planting it up there, and this kid pops up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you big titty butthole. <laughs> I got yeah, you. Dude. That kid was great. That kid stole the scene. Awesome. And he's only in it for like fucking 30 seconds, and he uh. fucking crushes it. Yeah, his his timing is so good. Some, it's <laughs> it's like butthole. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, man, we were so cruel too. Like kids were so cruel to each other back then. I don't know if they're as cruel now as they were back then. I, I, I don't think so. I think it's well in a different way. It's all online now. They do it behind <laughs> their back. Probably, it's probably in a very different way, but they're just as cruel. It's just as cruel, but it's behind their backs, which is even more fucked up. Uh, but yeah, no, it's such a great line because it scares the shit out of them. Scared the shit out of me even the second time around. Yeah. I saw it. I'm like, oh man. Um, yeah. But, so but, like, like, but also like, not just that, but like. When when Eats gets into his position and then Faraday's in his position and Faraday like looks over at Eats and Eats does like the thumbs up and then he gives and then so Eats go like Eats goes thumbs up to Faraday and then immediately transitions into a, a middle finger to Faraday and then I love Faraday's reaction was like why like, <laughs> yeah they're just like why are you doing that but it's so it's fucking perfect it's almost as I mean it's really almost as if this was written by like fifteen year olds like just for the dial like just for the kids stuff and then yeah. you know someone else wrote the rest of it but like yeah you'd give a thumbs up and then you give the middle finger and Faraday's like why <laughs> and and yeah Faraday Faraday's like the nerdy kind of uh the, the nerdy one out of the group but again like like I said earlier when I said he's like Stephen Jeffries he kind of has this quality about him where he's like guys we know you shouldn't be doing this and but he's still part of the crew. He doesn't. He's not a nerd in the fact that like anyone picks on him. And I actually like that that him and Eats have their own like sort of relationship that's different than anyone else. Like, yes. I love their own individual relationships. And uh, yeah, dude, even Faraday, like he holds his own. Like he always holds his own. He never feels like the weakest link in the team. Everyone feels equal. No one feels like the nerd. Like you're cast as the nerd. He just yeah. kind of looks like it, but he's kind of not though. You know. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I love that because you wouldn't pick on your buddy, you know, in your crew. He would just be yeah. your buddy. And he's the nerdy guy yeah. in the group and this it is what it is, you know. Um yeah, so from as as this is going on, yeah, that, that that's right. Faraday uh is on the lookout watching Mackie and then he's, you know, walking them as they're setting it up and uh setting up the the GI Joe walkie up in the in the in the Ivy and Verity's like, oh, he's got he's got blood on his gloves. He's got gloves on. He's got blood on his gloves, you know. And and they start freaking out. Um, and then and then Eats notices that the windows to the basement are painted over. And I'm like, oh, there's your little Fright Night reference right there too. Yeah, uh, with the painted windows. Um, and so it, but they're able to get the walkie in there and get away. Well, as as they're about to get away. Uh, uh, that's when Mackie opens the window and scares the shit out of, of Davey. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, that's, what's going to set up Mackie coming over to his house in just a minute. And then l- that night, Davey and, and Woody are at Davey's. Cause I'm assuming that Woody's like spending the night at his house. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and by, and by the way, Davey's room is freaking huge. It's got a goddamn uh, couch in it and shit, man. I would love to have a room that size as a kid. But yeah, that was damn. A, I mean, honestly, that was a huge fucking house, too, for only a, a three-person family. I yeah. mean, that was a huge-ass house. Yeah, my um, my my buddy Mark Fong, he, he had an older brother, but they lived in a house very similar to that, which is gi- just gigantic in, in Sunnyvale. And I'm sure that house would go for a few million dollars now. But back oh then, it was like, you know, $300,000, <laughs> which was like, a big deal back then but yeah jesus um yeah but but uh davy and woody are like talking about how the batteries in the in the gi joe walk your trash and they got to replace the batteries to make it work 
cut to the next day and uh, Davey is at Mackie's house and Mackie comes up to him and he's like, oh, you know, you, you surprised me last night or, you know, uh, and he goes, well, I, we were playing Manhunt and, uh, you, you know, your your house was like part of base. That's why, that's why, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm so sorry about that. And Mackie's like, okay, cool. Well, uh, let me pay you. I owe you money, right? And he goes, uh, you know, let me take you around back and I've got, I've got money this time. And he takes him to the back of his house where there's a garden. And as he does, he sees the G.I. Joe walkie-talkie up in the up in the bushes, you know, and he's trying to, like, make sure that Mackie doesn't see it. And then D- uh, Davey's uh, G- shitty G.I. Joe walkie on his clip goes off because the, he, the he's in close proximity and, like, it, the feedback's going off. And he's like, oh, sorry, it's my... It's my old walkie-talkie, and 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 uh, Mackie's like, oh, I can give you, you know, a police one. There, I've got them in the in the house. Why don't you come inside, and I'll give them to you. He's like, no, it's okay. Turns them down, and and it's just a moment where he's like, yeah, these are the real deal, you know, and yeah, and you're like, wait, is 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 he just being paranoid again, or is this like like still, if this is your first time viewing it, you might get the sense that Mackie is not necessarily the bad guy that he's kind of just trying to be a nice guy and which is really really well done i know and even though you know we talked about earlier uh the whole like him that one scene where he was watching the kids playing and and like looking sinister at this point on my first viewing i was like was that scene just a red herring that's what i thought yeah because the upcoming scene is davy spying on mackie and then mackie spying right back at him yeah and then he puts the walkie, the GI Joe walkie-talkie, sitting on the window, the one he had up on his ivy. Man, that was oh. such a. I mean, dude, that is such a, a great. So like, so yeah, Davy's looking through the windows. He's looking at Mackie. You know, he's like looking at the house. Then all of a sudden, he does that whole like shift over, and Mackie's like looking straight back at him with his fucking binoculars on and i even jumped when when you know davy jumped and he you know he he fell down you know did the whole hide thing and then we looks again mackie has the fucking uh, uh gi joe walkie talkie sitting on his windowsill on, window uh, on yeah. mackie's windowsill you know f- so he could see it so davy could see it meaning he found it up in there that's when i was like okay I, i'm 100 percent sure that that mackie's the bad guy now yes at this point it's obvious. <laughs> well, not totally obvious, but yeah, it, it makes it, it's pretty obvious that he's the bad guy. Cut to next day, Faraday and Woody. The, the plan is that Faraday and Woody are going to follow Mackie uh, when he goes out on his jog. And Eats and Davy are going to dig up his garden because that's Davy's convinced that's where the body is. That's where he's keeping his bodies. Yeah. Because when he looked in his backyard, there was like a, a section that looked uh, like a body was buried there. Like body sized section yes. you know you, yes. you can you can jump to the that conclusion when you yes. see see the size of it exactly so they go so they go off and eats and davy are doing they're digging up the garden it cuts back to mackie uh at his storage shed where faraday and woody are watching him from a distance behind a dumpster and woody's like i got you know you should get a better or faraday's like you should get a better sh- uh view of what he's doing in there so Woody runs over to the the uh, storage shed, looks under. So Mackie has gone into storage shed, uh, pulled out, pulled it up, and then pulled down the uh, garage door like halfway. So you can still kind yeah. of see under, but it mo- it's still mostly concealed. And Woody's looking yeah. in there, and he sees like 
the bags of chemicals, which you later find out are, you know, like uh, dissolvent for for uh, solids, which would like break yeah. down human flesh and bone. And he runs back behind the dumpster. Mackie opens up the uh, garage, pulls out an, a, a, like an old school VW bug and drives it off uh, and it gets out for a second to go close the, the, the garage door. And then here's something by the dumpster and walks over to the dumpster and Woody and Faraday are gone. Turns out they're just right around the corner and like scared shitless. Uh, yeah. And then and, at that point, yeah, go ahead. I, I love that one. Um, I didn't know until I read the IMDb trivia, but that, uh, v, that green VW bug is what Ted Bundy uh, used. That was his car. Oh yeah. Um, that's but right. What, what I cared more about was on the second viewing, the sound was exactly the same as when uh, when that kid got ab- gets abducted that we talked about earlier. You don't see you know who the killer is, um, and then all of a sudden you hear a car start after the kid gets abducted, and it's the same car sound. And I, I was awesome. like, that is such awesome attention to detail. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. I didn't even pick up on that. That's again just proves how. This movie's covering all the bases, in my opinion. Um, so from there, yeah, Woody and Faraday radio Davy and Eats and tell them that they lost Mackie and that they're heading back. But the the signal's like kind of cutting in and out. It's not very solid. Yeah. Uh, Eats and Davy are digging up the garden. They don't find shit. And Davy's like, let's go in the shed, but it's locked. Eats picks the lock. Davey's fascinated by that, and he's asking him how he did it, and, and Eats is like, oh, it's really simple. You know, you just stick this thing in here, and you just jiggle it around until it finally opens up. Uh, they open up the shed. Which will come into play later. Yes, it will. They open up the shed, and there's nothing to find, dot, 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 until uh, they, Davey spots this MTV T-shirt. It's the same one that the kid was wearing the night before that got abducted, right? Yes. Uh, Dusty do it. The, uh, the, the, the ginger, the other night, <laughs> the ginger, <laughs> they keep referring to him as the ginger. I love that. And there's blood on it too, by the way, there's blood on the shirt. Yep. Uh, and there's like, like, looks like actually a couple of holes. Like he was stabbed through it. Yes. Yeah. Faraday and Woody show up, scare the shit out of him. Um, and they discuss what they, you know, saw at the storage shed and, Woody, Woody's like saying, you know, well, there was a word on the bag of this, this, uh, this bag of chemicals, uh, gnome, gnome. And Faraday's like, was it no, it was, you know, it's not gnome, you idiot. Well, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause, uh, 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 Woody writes it on a piece of paper, but he writes like N small O a, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and Faraday's like, Oh, Oh Woody. Oh, typical Woody. And he rewrites it like N small a big O big H, you know, for, for sulfuric acid or whatever it is, Yeah, you know? And, and I did like the dialogue and he was like, he was like, what you wrote is nothing. What I wrote is sulfuric acid. <laughs> yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Uh, but, it, but it's like, Again, it's like, yeah, it's all dialogue that is so fucking just, it's so accurate to those kids, you know? Oh, yeah. It's totally authentic. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. But at this point now, like, Davey's convinced they, they have Mackie. Like, they, they, they've proven their point. And so the next day, Davey and his friends are telling his parents what they think is going on, and they don't believe him. And they're pissed. His parents are pissed. And they mar- and 
the dad who has a bad hair dye job by the way like his his hair is badly dyed i'm just like it was a little distracting to me i'm not gonna lie it's like well, i guess <laughs> yes. you know it's just, for me it was distracting but it's neither here nor there um so he marches the kids over to mackie's house he makes davy apologize uh reveal that Davy reveals that he dug up his garden because he thought Mackie was the the Cape Bay Slayer and Mackie starts laughing. Davy doesn't still doesn't believe him, which is really cool because he's like yeah. it's a very like Jerry Dandridge um you know Charlie Brewster moment where he's like yes, I believe you kind of thing, you know, or I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. because Mackie's making excuses after excuses as to why everything is the way it is. And like, he's even asking about the t-shirt and like, that's pretty baller for him to just like straight up say, well, what about the t-shirt with the blood on it? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, well, that's my, my nephew or something like that. And he's like, well, I thought yeah, you didn't have like, family yeah. around, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, no, that's, you know, he was just in town visiting and, uh, and, and, you know, he cut it, he must've cut his finger or something like, but yeah, <clears> but <throat> it's very cool moment because, like Davy's not letting up, you know, no. but his dad is pissed and he's like, you need, you guys need to go home now. I mean, he grounds Davy and Davy's like basically grounded for life. Um, and, and this is, I mean, honestly, like, you know, aside from the dad's, you know, bad hair dye or whatever, yeah. like I thought like just the way he handled it was, you know, seemed realistic to me, you know? And, and, just like the fact that he was like, look, I'm sorry, you're going to be just as outraged as we were, you know, and there's there's a little bit of lev- levity here and there. But ultimately, man, I, I like the guy who played the, the dad. Um, the oh, only thing really I know him from, uh, he was, uh, I think he was on Justified, although it's weird yes. because I watched Justified and I don't even recognize him. So I don't know who he was on Justified, uh, but... Um, I thought he was great. I thought he did a great job as the dad. Every actor in this movie fucking crushes it. Oh, I, I think so too. It was like a little thing. It was like, oh, that just bugged me. Yeah. But outside of that, no, he's so he's really really good, and yeah. it's so typical of parents where they just don't, they just don't believe their kids. You know, don't, don't believe the kids at all. At um, all, you know. It seems like the older you get, the less believe you are by your parents. You know, yep. they, they they just don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, so so he sends sends the kids home. Davy's grounded. Davy's in his room practicing picking a lock. Phone rings. It's Nikki. Uh, she wants Davy to come over, and of course he does. Because I mean, let's be honest, anybody would at that point if uh, somebody you were interested in said, "Come of over course. to my house," and they're looking in old photos and. And, you know, Nikki's saying, like, I can't believe that I'm leaving. And 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 Davey's like, well, I want to leave, too. And then he reveals what that he's all alone. And he tells her what's going on. And she's like, you just got to let this go. Like, it's not worth it, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, let's be honest. If people are getting killed and you think that this guy is the killer, you wouldn't you wouldn't be letting this shit. You wouldn't be telling people to let it go. Like, you would want to say, like, OK, well, what can we do? to prove this 
once and for all, you know, like, well, she's older. She's, she's, you know, she's more mature. Yes. Uh, I, I get that she wouldn't believe him like right away, but she does clearly later on believe him enough to kind of follow him into things. Um, although I do find it funny where right when I was like thinking in my, in my head, wait, isn't he grounded? She's like, wait, aren't you grounded? And then he says, Oh, my parents went out for the night. And it's funny because it was like, literally right when I was like, wait a minute, is this a bad scene because they forgot that he was ground? Oh, nope, nope. He just snuck out. That's all. Good, yeah. good, awesome. Which is what you would do. You know, it yeah, totally makes course, sense. Of course. So from there, cut to the next day. Uh, Davey's at home and Mackie shows up at his house. And you know what I love about this scene when it starts? It starts with a POV shot of Mackie walking up to the house. You don't know it's Mackie, you know, at the time, but it's a POV shot. And yeah. right away I was like, I felt like, oh, that's like a Friday the 13th homage or, or Michael Myers. I like just the the killer POV. And honestly, weirdly enough, we do not get any killer POV shots in this movie um, other than this. And I was like, ah, I felt like that was a little bit of their homage to, to slasher films. I could see, I could totally see that. Yeah. And, and I actually appreciate the fact that they didn't do any more POV shots. Cause yeah. Yeah. At, at that point it just would have been cliche. Yeah. So Mackie is at Davy's door and, and he's there to smooth things over. You can tell that Davy doesn't want to hear it. He's just totally annoyed by him. Uh, yeah, and, at one point, uh, Mac even says, you really got it out for me, don't you? <laughs> yeah, with like this smile on his face too, right? You know? And yeah, and so, but then Davey reveals that he's been basically grounded for life and Mackie feels bad. And Mackie's like, well, I really want to, well, you know, initially he says, hey, can I come in? And Davey's like, no, you can't. And then, and after Davey reveals that he's been grounded, Mackie says, you know, I really want to smooth things over for you. And, you know, and so Davey says, well, maybe, maybe you can just call, like, call your nephew. And, uh, and Mackie's like, yeah, I can do that. Can I use your phone? And I love this moment because Davey says, yeah, just wait right there. I'll bring the phone to you. And, and he's, and he goes, don't worry, the cord will stretch. And, uh, and so Mackie like starts to walk in, you know, and he brings him the phone and he's dialing the number. He's like, oh, there's no answer. Well, I'll try him later. And Davey's like, no, it's okay. And uh, and then Mackie's like, look, I'm going to do everything I can to catch this killer or catch this bastard. You know, he's like really firm about it. He's like, we're, you know, I'm going to th- I'm going to get this guy. And so he leaves and Davey goes back to the phone. And I love this. I love this. There's no star 69 back in the day. No. Uh, he, he calls the operator and he asks the operator what's the last dialed number. And the operator is telling him the number and he looks up and it, it's in fact Mackie's own number. Dun dun dun. Yep. That is yep. your moment to, for me. That's when, like, oh yeah, he's he's the killer. Yep, yep. That's I mean that is one hundred percent solidified. And then you know again, second viewing, um, he has one line of dialogue where he says he goes, uh, you know, because he's talking about you know uh, what he can do to help his, his you know uh, Davy get out of the house, like you know get ungrounded or something. Yes. He says. Uh, he goes, uh, let's see if I can get you out of this house. And that yeah. is such fucking foreshadowing to the third act uh, yes. when he gets Davy out of the house. <laughs> yes, literally. From there, the everybody's at Davy's, uh, Davy's buddies, and they don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to be involved anymore. And then suddenly you hear uh, Davy 
parents call him downstairs and he comes downstairs to watch the news and his buddies are upstairs in his in his in his room. I'm assuming like they're not supposed to be there. They're hiding. Yeah, because he says because um, he takes a walkie talkie down with him and he yes. says, uh, if if his if my parents think you're here, I'll, I'll let you know so you can go upstairs and basically leave through the window or whatever. But he uses that to to turn on the TV, you know, when the TV comes on, which you're about to get to. But yeah, they're not supposed to be there. But uh, I, I although I will say this, I find it hard to believe that four. 15 year old boys could keep their voices down enough in a house that that you know his parents wouldn't know but oh okay it's fine no big deal i just yeah. thought that was like yeah that their cover would be blown in like a minute yes they would be stomping around upstairs and you would know yeah. that they're they're all up there but um because <laughs> if because w- one thing boys are not one one thing 15 year old boys are not is subtle <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> so um, they're watching the news, and the special report is that the Cape May Slayer has been caught by who? Dot, 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 Mackie! Dun, dun, dun! Yeah. Friends don't believe uh, Davy that Mackie's still the killer. Uh, Davy wants to go in the basement, and he, and he, needs, he needs someone to watch his back. And Eats doesn't want to do it. Uh, Faraday doesn't want to do it. But Woody does, because Woody's like, you're my best friend. You know, of course I'll do it. And Eats and Faraday agree. They'll give him one. But Faraday's like, this is your last shot, which is cool. Like, makes sense. I say earlier when when I break down my my notes and everything, um, this chunk right here that we're about to get into, or I should say the chunk that we're just we're just in right now is called the game plan. Uh, The next chunk in my notes is is titled the last shot. I like that. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello. La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week, we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.
And now, back to the show. So, the next day, which is when this is all going to go down, his parents leave. Which is also the day of the, 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 the Bay Festival. The Bay Festival. And, and, and Davey's like, oh, come on, can I go, please? You know, he's like pre- pretending like he really wants to go to this thing. And they're like, no, you're grounded. And we got to, sorry, Davey, you know. So they go off to their Bay Fest. And they cut to the Bay Fest and the synth band is playing. And it's 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 really <laughs> cheesy. It's really a cheesy moment. It's a very low budge moment be- because uh, it just doesn't feel very 1984 to me how because let's be honest the 84 they would have one of those cheese ball bands like they had in tough turf at the wet at the country club playing yeah bay fest they would have something like that or they would have a high school kids band playing doing covers you know um yeah my my only problem like or my biggest problem with this scene was just how how small the bay fest festival felt like and you know it's just they couldn't do any like like you know crane shots or anything because of the budget and and you could just tell that it's like all they did was rent a a a a dock like a pier you know and there's i mean there's literally like only 50 people there whereas you're supposed to think that it's like hundreds you know especially since everyone in the cul-de-sac is leaving at the same time to walk down there you're being very generous because I, I think I counted like eight eight or ten people there. So <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 the one time in the movie where I was like, I get it. I totally get it. Your budget like like you don't I know that you wanna have a big thing and you don't really need to show it, but at the same time, by not showing a big festival is really <clears throat> is really doing a disservice to the story but at the same time i get you don't have the budget for it but yeah this is the one time that i was like oh the budget kind of shows through yeah totally but they they make it work they they, it doesn't it 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 doesn't matter it doesn't detract from this movie at all other than the fact that you and i are fucking like you know breaking down every goddamn scene if it was like one of those podcasts where we only review this movie for an hour we probably wouldn't even mention it no right (laughs) yeah so (laughs) as but as we encroach on three hours we're gonna mention it (laughs) of course every little detail down to the fact that uh Faraday is scoping Mackie and he's, uh, you know, eating a candied apple or something like that. Very awkwardly. Yeah, I want that candied apple. I I wanted it too so bad, but I'm like, dude, you don't even know how to eat that candied apple, but that's pretty funny. Anyways, uh, Eats is leaving, cuts to Eats leaving his house and you hear his parents yelling at each other, screaming. He goes out to the front yard and Kyle, his older brother, offers to drive him to wherever he's going and... You know, eats basically tells him to fuck off. Cuts to Davy at his house. He cuts, uh, grabs a camcorder from his dad's v- news van. Uh, he and he and Woody go to Mackey's, and they're going through the through Mackey's front uh, window. Woody goes in. W- Woody's just supposed to be outside, basically watching yep. out for him. But Woody's like, "You're, you know, you're my best friend. I'm not going to let you just go in there alone." Which is such a moment of like, dude, so sweet. I know, but also the the moment that I knew that Woody was destined for death because uh, in the scene prior, uh, um, Davey says, I'll take all the risk, right? You guys, this plan yeah. 
and and everything they've said so far is true. So he he lays out the plan, you know, where where Eats is supposed to, uh, you know, Faraday's supposed to watch um, the the fair or the the festival. Um, Eats is supposed to sit by the 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 bus stop and watch if you know Faraday loses. Obviously, Mackie, you know, Eats is the next line of defense, and then the third line of defense would be Woody. But right away in the scene, Woody choosing to go in sets up the dominoes of the plan failing, ultimately, even though it doesn't fail fail now. But yeah. ultimately, the fact that, you know, Davey's saying, I'll accept all responsibility type of thing. He seals his own fate. Woody seals his own fate right now by going in, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And as he does go in, Nikki shows up out of nowhere and scares the shit out of him. And she and wants to and help a great him out. Scene. Yeah, it's great. It's a great. I mean, scene. I just love how they scream. I love all these scenes where they're all screaming and everything. Yeah, it's so it's it's so believable, so real. And she wants to, you know, she's she's Davy's buddy now at this point. Yeah, she's invested at this point. Yes. So all three go in, uh, and, and and so for the next several minutes, you're cutting back and forth between the festival, eats, and uh, you know, at Mackie's house, and you cut back to the fest. What's going on there? A whole lot of nothing. Cut back to Mackie's and uh, Mackie's, Davey, Woody, and Nikki are going into the basement of the uh, of Mackie's house. The lights don't work. Hold on, sorry, but right before they go, so they find out from Faraday that Mackie and a bunch of other cops have been doing this big gardening thing for the festival. And that was the reason for all the, 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 that was the reason for everything, essentially. And that's what Faraday says. And Faraday's like, it's over, man. It's it's over. We're done. I'm done. That's it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, he's it's over. Out. He's I'm 100% out. cleared. He's out, you know. Um, and honestly, Faraday is is the domino that, that takes down essentially Woody, sadly. Um, but yeah, so, so right now, Faraday essentially is tapped out, which will eventually lead to the domino of, of Eats uh, being tapped out as well. Yeah, yeah. And so... You know, you cut back to Mackie's house and they're in and Faraday's saying all the shit on the walkie talkie. But Nikki still wants to go. Nikki still thinks they should go investigate anyways, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, they already broke in. They're there. They already did. Yeah. <laughs> it's already B and E. So who gives a shit? Yeah, might as well finish it out. So the lights don't work going down into the basement, which is a bad sign. And first of all, um, you know, cuts back to eat sitting in a bus stop and he's zoning out. He's not even like really paying attention to anything. He's probably thinking about the fact that his parents are yelling at each other and be- beating each other yeah. up. Um, yeah. Cuts back to the three, Nikki, Woody, and Davey, and they're looking in the basement uh, with the camcorder light. They're using the camcorder light, which is very creepy. Yeah, and that's really cool. It's such a it's a subtle effect, but it's so... Um, it, it just... It, it's, it's very creepy, yeah. So... Everything's scaring the shit out of Woody. Every little sound, every little creak, the the hot water heater. They get to the lock on the door, the door uh, the door that's locked, and Davey picks the lock. Um, Eats is still at the bus stop, and then Faraday scares the shit out of him, and Faraday says it's off. They, the whole thing's been called off. And, uh, and then Eats asks Faraday if he can spend the night with him, and that's the moment where you're like, you know, this is where Eats is having his moment of humanity. Yeah. And like, he's got that layer to him, you know, that he's not just yep. some like kind of cocky, 
you know, the cocky dick of the group. He's actually probably dealing with a lot of bullshit at home, and this is the way he processes it all. Yep. I mean, that's, I mean, this is what, this is what honestly makes this movie next level awesome is just the layers that are, that these kids have to them is just fantastic. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, I love that. It's just a, it's a short scene, but it's super effective in, in the way they kind of dug a little deeper with, with eats. Um, you cut back to Mackie's room that they, that Davey just broke into and it's decorated like a little kid's room. And what's creepy about it is that, you know, there's like a bed in there, there's like wallpapered. It just looks like it, it looks like a um, where he would hold a kid, you know, and right. But it's but ultimately it's a replica of his room growing up. Yes, because they find that baseball where they're like, you know, to, you know, keep it up slugger. You know, they, they realize it was to him and it's from like 1965. But I love the little the little comment that I think Nikki makes. I don't know if it was Nikki or Woody, but they say, well, this house is, wasn't even here in 1965. So like right away now at this point now and, and then just moving forward, I love the fact that they don't explain anything about Mackie. I no. love the fact that they give you these tropes, but they don't give you anything any explanation behind them and that's what makes it fucking freaky and i also feel like you don't need to like um you're just like he's fucked up he's fucked up that's actually what i what i love about it even more but while they're creeping out over this bedroom and you think that maybe there's they're gonna find something in that room that's even like worse they don't find anything in there but they hear a weird sound coming from another room that's connected to that room that ends up being the bathroom in the basement. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. So they, they go into the, they crack open the door to the bathroom and there's a bathtub in there with a shower curtain closed. They walk over to the bathtub, pull open the shower curtain to reveal a dead body. Who is it? Such a great, just a fucking awesome dead body, dude. A fantastic dead body. Yeah. Very like, you know, de- halfway decomposed body yeah. in this yeah. tub. And it's in fact, uh, the ginger. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, that's the dead body. And then another, and then a hand come out, uh, comes out of nowhere and grabs one of them. Uh, it, the hands are duct taped. Uh, and it turns out it's the other kid that was running earlier in, in, yeah. um, you know, in the movie, the blood moon scene. Yes. Um, so they're they're helping the kid out and they like this in this moment in this scene for me I'm like how long before Mackie shows up at the house and just closes the door and now they're all trapped and they're all going to die you yeah, know it's so freaky. and that's the way yep. it's going to end cuz because oftentimes with like these thriller type movies in nowadays, not in the eighties, but nowadays they would end it like that where they all just die mm-hmm. and it's just super yeah. dark, horribly dark. Everyone's dead and the movie's over. Right. Uh, that movie, um, uh, don't speak or, uh, like where the guy is blind or something like that. Uh, Oh, Oh yeah. D- uh, don't breathe. Don't, don't breathe. breathe. Yeah. Don't breathe. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, which I actually really kind of enjoy that movie, but, um, yeah. I think we saw that but, together. Yeah, yeah. No, I I know what you mean. Um, it's a modern trope that, like, yeah, that this would go 
sideways right here and it yeah. does go sideways just not right here yeah not not right here and not exactly what you would expect so anyways as they get him out um this is the point where davy looks on the wall of mackie's wall of family photos and it's all of the victims of the people that he's killed and then what's the last photo that he sees on the wall it's a family his family photo of his mom and dad and him dun yeah. dun dun which i mean i thought that was i thought that was awesome but like the one thing that i loved and i noted this time is the photos that they use on the wall i am so happy that it's not the exact same photos that they used on the microfiche when he was like looking through it yeah. you know that a lazy uh, uh you know filmmaker would have totally just used the exact same photos. Yeah. But no, they didn't. And I applaud them for that. Wholeheartedly. I, I fully, totally agree. Um, they filmed all this, hence the camera, and they take that tape to the police where the cuts to the police station and the chief is watching the video. And he sends all his cops over to Mackie's house to pick him up. And he says he's proud of Davey for saving uh, the boy's life. Um, and Davey's outside cuts to Davey now outside and he's with Nikki and Nikki's sitting with him and she kisses him. And that's like a moment of like, Oh yeah, things are going to be okay now. And she even says like, like, you know, my, my parents are even talking to me now or like every, you know, she even says, I I don't, you know, I don't think that this is going to change anything, but like, you know, you did this and everything and it's, it's a sweet scene. And you know what, everybody, I say turn the movie off here. Just turn it off. <laughs> yeah, you because could. you'll yeah you, you'll you feel so much better uh, from the from that. Uh... <laughs> you could you easily could because at this point yeah that uh, it cuts to Davy in the car with his parents and his dad apologizes to him and it's a very heartfelt apology. It's 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 it really like it feels yeah. like what would happen if this shit all went down. Uh, and then he tells him he loves him. It's a really heartfelt moment. I got a little choked up in it and maybe that's yeah. I don't know if it's. I just, I just did. I just did. Um, no, um, dude, I'm with you, man. It was, it's fucking fantastic. Woody spends the night at the Mackey's, which is like, wouldn't you want to be with your mom? Even if this shit went down? Um, yeah, but they, that, but they, they do say that she's at a shift. She's at like an yeah. overnight shift, which makes sense. But the fact that uh, uh, Mr. Armstrong, Davy's dad, uh, says to the the kids, especially especially Woody, uh, that they're safe now. I was yes. like, oh yeah, no! Don't. Yeah. Like when I was watching this for the first time, I was like, oh no! Why 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 is this all still happening? Like why am I watching this movie? Why is there 15 minutes still in this movie? Because be, because nothing good is going to happen here. Yeah, because at this point, yeah, Davy's dad's like you know, you're safe and it's over. We've got him. And I'm like, I write down in my notes, I go, you know, Mackie has not even been caught yet. This, this is not a good sign. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. They, they say, they do say that, that, um, that, that in the car with the dad, they said they haven't caught Mackie yet, but the dad's like, ah, but you know, everyone's looking for him. So, you know, they're they're going to find him. him, No problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so it ends like that. And again, you could end it right there too. And that would be could, okay. You could stop it right there. Right Please there. do. And you know what? Please do. Just turn it off right there. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's an air of mystery right there. Um, but now, same night. Long dramatic pause. It's twelve fifteen in the evening. Everyone's asleep. There's a long tracking shot through the house, into the hallway, right outside, 
Davy's bedroom door. Scared the shit out of me. The ladder to the attic opens up and starts rising down to the floor and down steps Mackie. <laughs> oh my god, dude. You know what I got? You know what I was like homage to? Hider in the wait, shit. Is that what it's called? Hider in the attic? The movie with Gary Busey? Oh yeah. Hider in the house, I think. Yeah, I think so, right? What well, yeah. that's with him, right? And he's like he's in the attic the yeah, whole he's time. In the attic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. like I was like, is that an homage to, to that movie? I mean, to me, it, it, that that could be it. Um, you know, the movie itself is not that great, but the first fifteen minutes of Don't uh When a Stranger Calls when they reveal that the killer is in their house, uh, yeah. the babysitter, you know, and she, and, and he's killed yeah. the kids upstairs. Oh my God. Yeah. The whole thing is just creepy as fuck. And so, yeah. And, and, and I, we honestly, we haven't really talked much about the cinematography, yeah. but that shot from sort of like from, from uh, Davy's bed at his doorway yeah. as Mackie's like the shot lingers for a few seconds before Mackie actually like enters the, the shot. It's so well done. The cinematography in this movie is, is fantastic. The, the, the entire movie is such a, is so, is so well crafted. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I wrote down at this moment uh, when he walks into Davy's room, the soundtrack the at this moment the dramatic music is so creepy it's so yeah. creepy and he davy starts to wake up and he puts like chlorophyll over his mouth or whatever like a rag and knocks davy out yeah oh my god oh my god that was so so fucking good you could turn the movie off at this point and could be left up to a mystery uh i think we're, this is going to be a recurring joke for the next <laughs> 10 minutes you could turn it off at this point and that would be okay or you could continue which is what we did and from here <laughs> uh, davy is in mackie's car he wakes up woody's there too the car's not moving they're tied up they untie each other um mackie's not in the car with them uh and then suddenly mackie shows up at the window outside of the car just to fuck with him uh, he opens the door to let them out and they to run into the woods. It's a squad car, and Mackie's calling out over the squad car that they're going to pay. Uh, they're going to play Manhunt for real. And when he says for real, I'm like, another Fright Night reference. Dude, and you're the Fright Night guy, but I picked up on that, and I was like, this is Fright Night for real. And this is when I – oh, man – I don't know, man. Like, I don't know even know if I knew what I was in store for at this point. I kind of did because, again, Pet Cemetery too. Um, yeah. I I knew the fat kid was gonna die. Uh, in, in my heart of hearts, I knew it because of Pet Cemetery too. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> dude, I was like, I love it. I love how multiple times in this movie they set up the manhunt scenario for the kids, yeah. and now it's happening for real. Like, he, like down to the flashlight. He's using the flashlight and everything. It's such. It's such good writing, you know? Well, it's it, it, it really is. And, you know, I understand that maybe people might not like this last 15 minutes of the movie. Like maybe it should have ended at 90 minutes. And I get that. And I see the valid point to that. These last 15 minutes, and I think we've said it a few times, are what set this movie apart from all other thriller yes. teen films uh around this time 
it, it's just it's different. And I'll be quite honest with you. You know, both you and I have seen umpteenth horror films, upteenth thrillers since we were little kids. We know the cliches or we know the conventions. We know the whole setup, yep. build up, yada, yada, yada. I honestly don't think I've ever seen a movie that ended quite like this where you're like, yeah, bam, we'll get to it, folks. We're, we're on our way. At this point, I didn't know where it was going. Although looking back, you know, hindsight 2020 in my heart of hearts, I did know where it was going. I did too. In on one, on one hand, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to accept it, you know, until yeah. it happens. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to just start going because I don't, people are going to be like, yeah, what is it? What is go. it? What is it? Uh, so, so yeah. So Mackie at this point is now fucking with them. He's chasing them around. They're turned around. They realize that they're on an Island, uh, that has one road because they they keep hitting water wherever they're going. Um, they slip into a pile, like into the mud, and they wind up into kind of a ditch. And where the ditch is, there's a pile of bodies everywhere where, obviously, Mackie's keeping the bodies. Um, uh, Davey says, look, I'm going to go I'm gonna go distract him while you go to the car and, and you get out of here, right? Yeah, and, and, the fir- and the first time I was watching, I didn't pick up on it, but the second time I realized, that, like, oh, yeah, that's the smart play to make um, Woody go for the car because he knows how to drive. Like, yeah, I didn't pick up on that the first time. That's but, a really good point. But boy, oh boy, am I haunted by the phrase that Woody says, I can't die here tonight, my mom needs me. Yeah, it, it's, I mean... <laughs> no, I, bro, buddy, just talking about it once makes me want to throw up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so, so Davey thinks that this is the good plan, but right after this happens... Davy gets stabbed by Mackie. Well, well hold on. <laughs> Davy gets his Achilles heel sliced by yes. Mackie. Yes. That is the Pet Cemetery one reference. Yes. With uh with with yeah, with uh who, Herman what Munster. was his name again? Uh yeah, Herman Munster getting his Achilles heel sliced. Um yep. so yeah. And then Pet Cemetery two reference will be coming up very soon. Yeah, so you know, uh after this happens Mackie says, wait here, right? And takes off. And Davey's yelling, trying to warn Woody. Woody yeah, because the... Mackie doesn't kill uh, Davey right there. No, he's just, he, he, he make, which makes sense. He leaves yeah. him there because where's Woody going to go? Or where's Davey going to go? Yeah. Cuts back to Woody, who's, ma- who's made it to the car. And as soon as he makes it to the car, Mackie comes up from behind him and slashes his throat. Fuck. Dude, I mean, it is you horrible. see it too. He it's fucking horrible. slashes it and then holds his head back. I mean, it is it's it's gruesome and it's horrifying. And so, all right. So my personal bit of trauma, uh, me and my buddy <laughs> Luke. You know, you guys know Luke. Uh, I've only ever seen Pet Cemetery two once. It wasn't a great movie, but the entire movie. Like he, uh, Eddie Furlong, uh, his character has a fat friend with curly hair, and uh, his fat friend gets killed. And so me and Luke were like, like, like at the time, 
like it just didn't that didn't follow the normal tropes right like your the fat friend shouldn't die like it was supposed to it, it just it shocked both of us to the point where like it's kind of a joke uh between the two of us now like if i said to him you know like if i say something to him like oh the fat kid like in in pet cemetery too like luke would get it you know because yeah it shocked both of us that the fat kid died and, and i keep saying that because the moment that this fucking movie started, the second this mo- fucking movie started, I was like, "This better not be a fucking Pet Cemetery Two scenario." <laughs> and guess what? Sorry, it's a fucking Pet Cemetery Two scenario. Sorry. So like, I was and I was traumatized by that as a kid, and I'm traumatized by that as an adult because I was that fat kid with curly hair growing up. So like, yeah. I related the most with fucking Woody in this movie yeah. and with fucking Eddie Furlong's fat friend in Pet Cemetery Two. So. I can't watch Pet Cemetery 1 again because I fucking hate Zelda. Zelda terrifies me to no end, and I will never fucking watch that movie again because I because of what I hate Zelda. <laughs> and I'll never watch Pet Cemetery 2 because I was traumatized by the fat boy, by the fat kid dying. And now here we go. I'm reliving my trauma. Thank <laughs> you, Zach. And you're welcome. You, and you're welcome. Would you like a podcasting after dark sticker? Yes, um, I would. I would. <laughs> more coming your oh, way, it's, homeboy. It's, it's, it's gruesome, man. It, it fucking it. You know what? It fucking sucks. And I applaud them for doing it. I I I feel like it needed to be done. But I mean, it's the reason I won't watch this movie multiple times is because that because fucking Woody was my favorite character, and 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 like a kid dying is a big fucking deal. And again, I'm just gonna say it's it's a testimony to how good this movie is. Is that I care this much about this character. Yeah. I I, want to go into what happens next a little bit before I kind of go into more um, of my feelings about this, this overall sequence, because because I love what happens next. What happens next is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Because uh, Davey gets to the car and sees what happens. And then Mackie grabs him and, you know, and holds him down. And he says, you know, this is your, this is, here's your fright. Another fright night reference. He's like, this is your fault. You know, it's your you, fault. You forced me out of my home. I wrote down Fright Night. This is totally Fright Night. Uh, he's like, all he's like, all I want to do is kill you, but it's not enough for you. I want you to imagine what I'm going to do for you when I come when I come back for you. And he leaves Davy after that. And 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 to me, this is like, this is the nightmare, dude. This is the nightmare. This is not this is not the guy. This is not the killer getting shot and then the cops go back to get the body and the body's gone. This is not um you know the killer being uh impaled by a spike and then jumping up and grabbing you one more time. This is real life. This is the guy going, "I am so ruthless. If Ted Bundy could evade the cops for 20 years or however long he was able to do that. There was a serial killer who was just uh, caught the other day. Oh, the who, go, the golden state. Oh, the other day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and but like he'd been, or no, there was a guy who shot a cop 50 years ago, something like that. Maybe it was 40 years ago. And they finally just got him the other day. You know, people can, I could see this, like this character being gone for the longest time. No one could find him. He's a cop. Yeah. So he knows how to evade shit. And dude, fucking Rich Summer, Somer, however you pronounce his last name, holy shit, dude. Like, like I said, man, like he was so 
like shrimpy on fucking Mad Men and, and and to see what he could do right there, that scene where he's telling Davy this. And the thing is like he has his forehead against like Davy's forehead. Yeah. And he's like, I want to kill you so bad right now. Yeah. But I'm not and it's just he is a fucking crushing it, man, as an actor. Like, seriously, I'm watching it and I, I believe everything. And it is absolutely terrifying. It is absolutely fucking amazing. It's what makes this movie fucking amazing. And he is just holy shit. I, I can see why he took the role. You know what I mean? Like I can. It, this is it. You know, this is the scene that he read and was like, "Oh no, I I want this so I can yeah. do it." Yeah. And he's so believable. He's so fucking scary. And he's like, "I want you to think every day." Even when you're older, like, I want you to go to sleep thinking that I'm still alive and this is going to be the day that I kill you because it might fucking be the day that I kill you. Yeah. He, I believe every bit of it. And it is amazing. It it's is. Fucking amazing, dude. What, what's amazing about it, too, is like, this is a loss of innocence film. That's what this is. Yeah. This yeah. is this is Last American Virgin, you know, where the the end credits are like, no, he didn't get the girl. The girl ended up hooking back up with the dude that, you know, uh, her ex boyfriend or whatever. This is these are these are the moments where you're like, and and that's why that movie stands up over a lot of other teenage sex comedies right. back then because yeah. of that ending. This is this movie is going to be, in my opinion, is going to be remembered because of this ending. You kill the yeah. most lovable character, and then you. And then you have no satisfaction at the end because really quickly, this movie from this point on, you know, Davey hobbles out to the street, uh, gets picked yeah, up. Yeah. By, with, with his, with his Achilles heel sliced. With yeah, his sorry, Achilles heel with, sliced. Yeah. No. Yeah. And hobbles out, get uh, a car finds him. Uh, he's, you know, cuts to the hospital. He's crying in his bedroom. Uh, after the, he's in the hospital, he gets discharged. He's crying in the, he's in his bedroom crying and then the narration which, starts. Which I love that. And I'm sorry, before, you, that, yeah. before the narration, I love that they fucking show the PTSD. Yeah. Like, uh, like you never fucking see that in a movie. And no. it, it, it's what goes back to my original statement, which is like this movie, it, it takes all the tropes, but it follows them to the realistic conclusion, not the fantasy conclusion not the movie conclusion it yeah. follows them to the realistic conclusion and the fact that like Davy's just there's that shot of Davy in his room just like in a ball crying yeah your best friend's fucking dead because of what you did you know yes you did the right thing by by bringing this killer to, to life but you to, to light but you caused the death of of Woody you know, it's, and in a, oh if, in God, a way, dude. if you think about it, in a way, if you think about it, um, you know, it's what Charlie did to Evil Ed, and it's and it'd be yeah. like what Evil Charlie should have been feeling at the end of Fright Night about yeah. Eve, about his good, you know, supposed to be his best friend, uh, yeah. dying. Um, yeah, it, it's so effective in in the fact that it it doesn't go with what you expected like there's a movie called the collector you know that movie oh, where i love it love it, i love the that first movie. and second one and what i love about both of them is it didn't go that route of like everybody dies at the end and it's a dark ending dun, dun, dun. you know it's like wait yeah. wait 
the, 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 the good guy actually wins when you didn't expect that to happen. This is yeah. like you expected Mackie to be shot and killed uh, by somebody or you expected him to get arrested. I could have totally seen Mackie getting arrested, putting in, putting into a car yeah. and then later a news report saying he's escaped from jail and that's ends and it ends like that. Um, but for you to, for, for them to go that really ballsy route and, and kill the most likable character and leave your la- and leave your hero quote unquote, uh, lying in a puddle of his own, you know, sadness it's really commendable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's and again, that's this is this scene is the reason why I chose this movie because I'm like this yeah. is what sets it apart from I love I love retro shit. I do. Everyone knows that about me. I'm so knee deep in nostalgia and as you are too. Um mm-hmm. so that so I love that element of this film, but what I what I love even more is just the way it ended, you know, where you know, he it kicks it ends with the narration again, just like it started. Yeah. And, Same narration. And you know, he sees uh, he's riding on his bike, and he sees Nikki leaving in her car, looking sad. Yeah. And then he sees Eats and Faraday throwing stuff out of. Uh, is it? Oh I, no, that's no, that's that's uh, the first time I was like, "What is that?" The second time I realized it's the treehouse. They're 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 dismantling the treehouse. It's it's over. Their yeah. friend like and 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 like Eats doesn't look really at at Davy, but then Faraday kind of makes an eye contact with him, and I realized that like, oh, they're probably not friends anymore because nope. they probably blame Davy for for Woody's death, you know, and 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 like. But the fact that I love, I love that like I love that Eats and Faraday are gonna be good friends, probably moving forward and everything, and and it, it's great because they're so opposite, you know, like one's nerdy and one's not. But like it just all felt so realistic, like the group is over, you know, that it's oh, like you said, like you said, it, this movie is about the age of innocence lost, you know, yeah. or, or innocence lost, I should say. You know, and we've all we've all had those. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's the same, but we've all had those moments where we had a, a best friend or somebody that was like we were so tight with. I did. And then yeah. something happens to, to make a rift with that friend. And suddenly you're, you're just you're not friends and anymore at all. You can't even look at that person. You can't even walk down the street. You feel weird walking down the street. Yeah. Like that hit home to me, dude. Like, yeah. So I, I um, really quick, I, I brought a. Um, uh, I borrow uh, this kid, this kid in elementary school. Uh, he had a BB gun. He showed me at his house and he let me borrow it for the night. And he calls me up that night. And he's like, you got to bring the gun back to school tomorrow because my dad's going to beat me up, you know? And, uh, and he's like, if you don't bring it, my dad's going to beat the shit out of me. Cause he didn't, he, I wasn't supposed to take it. So I bring this gun back to school. I got the BBs in my backpack. Uh, it's, it's, and I'm in class and, and we would switch classes back and forth for like science or something. This was like sixth grade, I think. Anyways, um, the, the kid's desk I was sitting at in the other classroom, he had his Walkman stolen. They thought I did it because I was sitting in his desk. So they sent me with a fake note to the office. And while they sent me to the office, they were searching my bag, which had the gun in it and right. the thing of BBs. I'm coming back from the office and I just happened to look in the window next to the to – the, um, classroom and i can see them pulling the gun out of the backpack at the exact same time i come in the classroom and sit down everyone's looking at me like what did you do you know i'm scared shitless uh the 
they call me back in the office. Principal deals with that aspect of it. Like he points the gun at me. He's like, you know what this can do? And they thought I was going to use it on the, on the, on my sixth grade teacher at the time. <laughs> and like, they thought I was going to, this is way before Columbine shit. Who knows yeah. what would have nowadays it would have been a whole horrible story. But back then when it went down, um, you know, they, they didn't even call the police. They called the police before they called my mom. And the cop knew that I hadn't done anything wrong. He's just like, you know, you just made a bad choice bringing this to school. Well, needless to say, and that's a longer story. Uh, my mom's like, I'm holding on to this. I'm like, well, no, I got to give it back to my friend. She's like, no, you don't get this back ever again. And she hid it in the house. I didn't know where it was. She wouldn't believe me that I had to return it back to my friend. And he got the shit kicked out of him by his dad. He blamed me for it, rightfully so, you know. But it wasn't necessarily my fault, right? Because I, yeah. you know, yeah. and from that point on, wanted to kick my ass at school. So every day I showed up at school, he would taunt me, yell at me, scream at me. And like, I would find I had no friends. I changed school districts because of that. Just pretty much at that point, it felt like my life was ruined, you know? So I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this death of this character is a metaphor, you know, for that moment in everybody's life. When you've had something so horrible happen to you that you don't think you're ever going to recover from it. And maybe you don't, you know? Yeah. And it's, a, it, and that's why I like, I put this film on a higher level than I would, you know, a typical slasher movie or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Soapbox. No, time. dude, it's, I mean, no, no, it's, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> my God, your trauma just, just, I, I, every time there's something new, I'm like, oh no, I know, I know all of Zach's trauma now. Nope. Something new. Okay. Um, but yeah, dude, like, like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go into my final thoughts on, on the movie. I mean, uh, if you needed anything more, I pretty much put everything on the tape right now, but like, it's such a fucking good movie it's it really is it's, it's really i mean it's fantastic it's well made well acted like well crafted well written well directed the music is fan-fucking-tastic but i'm not gonna watch it a lot because of woody and and it's because i felt so connected to them and it's it's not a slight like like it don't ever take it as a slight on the movie but like I felt so connected to them. I loved every character so much. The fact that Woody dies is the one connect the character that I'm most connected to just was was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But a very brave thing, I think, for the for the filmmakers to do here. Very. And I think a very like on purpose thing. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. The fact that he has curly hair and kind of heavy, I really do think it was a, a Pet Cemetery Two reference. Uh, I do truly believe that, especially since like uh, uh, Davy's Achilles heel gets sliced, you know, beforehand. Yes. And I'm like, you guys are just like backing them up back to back, Pet Cemetery One and Pet Cemetery Two. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if I asked them ever a, a, at some point in the future, and they're like, oh yeah, totally, totally from the get go, that was a Pet Cemetery Two. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know. But for me, that was a that was a personal bit of trauma because like that was like one of the first times in a movie with Pet Cemetery 2 when I was a kid, when I was at Luke's house that like it wasn't the first time, but it was one of those times where I was like, oh, when you take tropes, I didn't know that was the word for it at the time, but when you take these things that are always the same in every horror movie, but you twist it it can do something to you as a viewer, you know, and uh, it's just like, holy shit. And, you know, I think I think honestly, the first time 
that ever happened was with uh, From Beyond, where Barbara Crampton jumps out the window in the explosion uh, and then gets the horrible explosive uh, compound fracture of her knee. It's like, because as a kid, when I was a kid watching that, I was like, oh, like, you know, if you jump out of the mo- like out of the window when everything's exploding, if you're the hero, like uh, uh, Bruce Willis in Die Hard or something, if you're the hero, nothing bad is going to happen to you. But whereas From Beyond says, no, no, you're still human. If you jump out the window, your kneecap is going to explode, <laughs> right? Or in the, or, or in Pet Cemetery, just because you're friends with the protagonist doesn't mean you're safe. This movie kind of draw, drew that parallel to me and just made me feel uncomfortable. But also, but also nostalgically made me feel like a kid again because I was watching something for the first time. And man, this movie is just excellent. Just excellent so when it comes like to it. just crafting. Yeah. I, Dude, I loved everything about this movie. Absolutely loved That's it. Awesome. Even the parts that I don't love, which is just Woody dying, I still love it and I respect the movie for doing it. And I mean, if you guys have gone this far with us, then you've seen the movie, hopefully. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm curious to hear what you what you think on social media. But me, Corey, man, I fucking love it. I, I love having it in my catalog. I, I will love to show it to people, kind of like Hereditary. But I will not watch Hereditary <laughs> a lot, even though I loved it. Yeah. And I will not watch Pet Cemetery 2 ever again, even though I enjoyed it when I watched it, you know. And I will probably be hard-pressed to watch this again, except for... The soundtrack, man. The soundtrack on this thing is bananas is the only thing I can describe it. It is beautiful. It is amazing. It is haunting. It is just a work of art. Like this movie itself, it's a work of art. And, man, that's where I'm going to leave it. I fucking love this movie, and thank you. Thank you for uh, for doing it, bud. Well, it, it's my pleasure, dude. Um, honestly, like, like I said earlier, I feel like it needs – uh, the praise you just gave it, I think, is very much merited and 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 uh, earned. Um, and I will say yeah, this really it earns it 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 yeah. earns it. This movie earns every feeling. It it, yeah. it it earns the feeling of disgust that I have for it. You know, yes. because of Woody. It also earns the praise. It earns every bit of it. It doesn't. It doesn't like. Like, like, just, just saunter into to an accolade. It fucking earns its accolades. Yeah, and and honestly, like, for these for these filmmakers to take that choice to do that was was a very brave, bold choice. Because uh, I think they clearly knew Caleb Emery was the best part of this movie, in my opinion, uh, the best actor in this film. Like, and like you said, everybody had fantastic performances. T to B. Uh, even down to that little kid at manhunt time, but, uh, you know, but Caleb Emery to me stands out the most. I think you're going to continue to see more of him. Uh, by the way, he's very active on like Instagram or he was anyways, and very nice guy, like very personable with his, with people that follow him and are fans of his, just going to throw that out there. And I will say too, uh, any sort of leg injuries are probably the worst because you can't run. If you don't have your legs Ugh. in a horror film, you got nothing. You lose an arm, you do something to your your upper body, you're fine because you can keep moving. Uh, you lose your feet. Yeah, Look, trust me, I love Die Hard, everything about it, but the most fucking unrealistic and the, the fact that you know he's running around with 
bloody feet and all that good stuff. But anyways, yeah, uh, you take out your legs, you got nothing. But dude, I'm glad you liked it. I will say just a cheap plug again for uh, Diabolik DVD uh, or Diabolic DVD. That's where I got this through them. Um, it's kind of like a pressed on demand. So if you like having the hard copy of something, which Corey and I very much do, um, <laughs> whether it's that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, I think it's a good thing, ultimately. <laughs> much, much to our wives' chagrin. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I will, I will say that it's very reasonably priced, and you can get it on there. Uh, support your local businesses, your little mom-and-pop shops, even on the Internet. Uh, but dude, I'm glad you. I'm glad we could do it. I'm glad to do it. Uh, like I said, this was my con- contribution to a modern uh, horror thriller drama, you know, whodunit kind of thing. And um, from here on out, it's back to uh, for the better <laughs> part of this upcoming year. It's going to be some wild shit. So strap yourself in. Some business as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, dude, I I, I think this movie will age really well yeah Um, i i think so too i think i think the the chances this movie took i think the soundtrack i think the cinematography and the fantastic performances by everyone that's in this film i think it's i think we're gonna see this movie be around for a while truthfully i agree i agree yeah couldn't have said it better myself this was fun, man. This was, and, and honestly, like I will say this: this was one of those movies that I actually enjoyed more talking about with you than than watching it. And as, as I just said, I loved watching it, but I loved talking about it more with you. It was like it was just fun, dude. And uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Just just thank you, thank you for uh, getting it for me and 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 everything. So oh, you're welcome, I appreciate man. It. You're welcome. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, I'm glad. I'm glad it surprised you and shocked you, for better or worse. So, and and brought back a little bit of trauma, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's my turn. My turn for the trauma. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, well, was... Corey, where I was going to say to you, uh, seeing how I'm running this episode, uh, where can we find <laughs> you, Corey, in the internets? <laughs> Yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. You can find me every week talking to our buddy, Adam, about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And uh, we actually just kicked off, um, let's see, by the time this is happening, yep, yep, season five. Uh, we're just starting season five. So it's a, it's a good time. Love talking about Seinfeld and uh, always having a good time. But uh, Zach, my man, Thanks. where can we find you, buddy, online? You can find me at... Um... <laughs> you can find me at zackshafervo.com uh that's my new website where i've got links to podcasting after dark uh my my uh my entertainment voiceover stuff um and my link to my other podcast two dollar late fee to two dollar late fee.com uh, you can also find us on Instagram, and uh, you can find me on Instagram as well. But uh, two dollar late fee dot com, two dollar late fee is a retro '80s podcast. Folks focuses on the '80s and early '90s, um, and uh, we have a lot of fun interviewing celebrities and trip down memory trip down memory lane in a very positive way. 
Yes, I would like to recommend the Hart Bachner interview. Oh, thanks, Booby. Hans Booby. <laughs> Let me tell you, yeah, if you don't know who, it's funny, We brought, you brought up Die Hard earlier. Hart Bachner played Ellis in Die Hard. If you don't know who that is, then you don't know your 80s movies. Um, and <laughs> I, I can't you. imagine, I can't imagine a single one of our listeners not knowing who Ellis was in Die Hard. So someone, actually a fan, uh, a listener pointed out to me the other day, they're like, He's basically Donald Trump Jr. Um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, so uh, Hart Bachner, though, is a guy who's been in for horror fans. He was in Terror Train, which is a fun Jamie Lee Curtis slasher movie on a train with David Copperfield. Um, and he was in um, Urban Legends, Final Cut, the sequel to Urban Legends, um, which is actually a pretty decent horror film as well. But he's been in a shit ton of movies. He's got a crazy story. The guy didn't want to be an actor. He wanted to be a director. And then he did. He became a director. He directed one of the funniest 90s uh, college comedies ever called PCU. Um, PCU? PCU is the shit, in my opinion. It's so good. But uh, he's got a great story and very great personality. I appreciate you plugging that one. But, yeah, we've interviewed Eric Roberts. We've interviewed Vince DiCola, the guy who did the music for Rocky Four and Transformers and yada, 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 bada, bing, bada, boom. And we got a lot of other people coming up. Just like... We do on our Patreon page uh, with exclusive interviews of people like Stephen Jeffries, who I pointed out. And we've also got uh, Jonathan Stark the uh, from Fright Night and House Billy 2. Cole, baby. Billy Cole, baby. Billy Cole, kid. But then we've got Tom Holland, another Fright. I, I mentioned three Fright Night alums right there. Um, yep. But we've got way more than that as well. We've got John Philbin who is Turtle from North Shore. But, uh, we have Tom in, Matthews, who is Tommy Jarvis Tom from Friday 13th. Yes. Uh, he, and then we've got, um, uh, we've got upcoming interviews with, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you who our upcoming in- interviews are. You just have to sign up to our Patreon, if you can. <laughs> if you can't, totally understand. But if you can, um, just for a fraction, you know, a cup of coffee, uh, if you will, once a month, um, it goes to us to help us make the best possible show we can make. It basically, yep. we take your money and we turn it around and we put it into content for the show. No joke. Yep. Uh, it's, it has nothing to do with you know making us rich. It has everything to uh, make the show rich, rich with content. <laughs> so R- richer with with fun and awesomeness. Yeah, we uh, uh, for our one year anniversary um, movie poster that Dan Parker did for us, which is just absolutely fantastic. Go check out Dan Parker Doodles on uh, Instagram. But we used all the money from our Patreon uh, donations to to commit com- commission that. So yes. yeah, we put all the money right back into the system. Uh, at this point, I mean shit we have uh, about a year's worth of interviews up there on our patreon page we have videos we have unboxing videos we have wrap up after dark we have uh, actually a couple shows that zach and i are are and dean right now that we're uh you know to use a hollywood term we are developing a couple uh podcast after dark sub shows yep. that will probably uh live exclusively on patreon so yeah if, if you love what we're doing you're kind of only getting one third of what we're doing on the free feeds everything else is on patreon and uh but like zach said 
said, we totally understand times are tough, especially the way the economy is going, the way the economy is gonna <laughs> gonna go. We 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 understand, totally get it. And a free way to help the show is to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Still, like the the best place for new listeners to find us under the uh, the horror. Uh, actually, under the um, the film and re- film and TV review banner, uh, we are actually in the top 100 uh, out of about. I think we're competing with about 3,000 film and review. Uh, or, I'm sorry, film and TV review awesome. categorized podcasts. Podcast After Dark is in the top 100. So uh, thank you guys for that. That's that's uh, for North America. That's because of the reviews that everyone leaves. And I mean, Christ, we have like. 44 like five star reviews like all five stars it's it's fucking crazy man so, yeah i, I, I want to point I guess, that out i guess people like what we're doing right <laughs> i guess so i i want to point that out too like the the your messages that you send to us or write us on instagram specifically but also facebook too it's it's really meaningful like it really means a lot. And then Corey and I have said yeah. this on previous podcasts that for you to take the time for anybody to take the time to write something positive, um, we need more positivity in this world than negativity. So yeah. like for you to take a moment to like not shit on something you don't like just to be like the, the, the person that wants to shit on it, but to actually like say, Hey, you guys really love the show. Uh, keep up the great work, blah, 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 anything. Just know yeah. it's always, always appreciated. And we've yeah. made some friends out of this. David Irons, who uh, found our show and started listening to us, did the watch list. And he's such a talented He, he found us through Instagram. Yeah. Found, found us through, and, and now he's like, you know, he's going to do another watch list with me uh, down the road. I'm not going to say what it is. Hey, just have to don't, don't monopolize David Irons. I want to do a watch list with David Irons. I mean, he, in, <laughs> he he pitched it to me. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, <laughs> so, God damn it. David, if you're listening, I want to do a goddamn watch list with you, buddy. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. No, but, uh, but this is—I mean, dude, seriously, this is awesome. Uh, our fans are awesome, man. Like, yeah, we got, so like, thank you all. We got so like, I—I I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. But um, our, uh, like, how many people we have following us on Instagram? It's wild. But I love the fact yes. that it's—it's it's all like like an environment of love. It's—it's it's, everyone is so fucking cool. Ever we don't have. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's we do it. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's the the cult culture that we cultivate. But there's just like not much snarkiness going on on our Instagram feed. It's just everyone's having a good time and, and loving what we what they love. You know, and it's it's we're all having fun talking about the shit that we love. So join us. You know, join us on Instagram. Join us on Reddit. Uh, yeah. We also have a merch store up. If you guys like what we're doing, uh, another way to support the show is to get some shirts. Uh, you can go podcastafterdark.com slash merch like right on our merch page will take you right to the uh the t public page so all our merch is through t public but you'll get there through our merch page so man it's i can't believe it dude i i every day every day i'm fucking blown away by how awesome our fans are truly ditto ditto and just so yeah. you know for t public we don't really make a whole lot of money off those at all <laughs> it's more yeah. that money goes directly to t public for the most part, yeah. but it's really cool shit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like I've, I bought shirts off of T public before this and I will continue to do it after. Um, Same. 
and and they make their qual their quality stuff is cool. So if you dig our logos and our and everything get a notepad and, and make, write your own little movie reviews um <laughs> uh and, and you know new logos to come down the pipe potentially too in the future yeah. so uh you know all, all all good things so thank you for being on the podcasting app thank you for being on the podcasting after dark train yeah gonna keep yes, chugging yes. along thank you guys so much yep We'll keep as long as you guys keep listening. We'll keep doing them. So, <laughs> as Dirk Diggler says, we're gonna keep rocking and rolling. That's right. That's right. Uh, Zach, my man, fantastic man. This thank was you, a brother. great episode and a great fucking movie. So, thank you. Thank you again for introducing me to it, and You're uh, I appreciate owning it. And uh, I love you, buddy. Love you and too. And as man. always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.